Uh, I'm better, but I'm not good yet. And I have to apologize. It's coming another day where I struggle through because I don't get an off day. I feel like I should take a day off, just try to recuperate. <sighs> Alas, here we are. Good morning, Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. If uh, if you didn't listen on 105.7 The Fan this weekend, then you probably missed out on the fact that I was just struggling. Just struggling through. I think you sounded good the day I was there. I think you sounded good. I, I think I injected hot tea through my veins and just, just got an IV sucked of- down um, three packages worth of hauls in order to try to see if I could gimmick my way through three hours. I don't have to do three hours here. I only have to do two hours, but um, there's many commercial breaks over here in order yeah. to help us get through, so it might be about the exact same amount of talking over here as it is over there. So we'll see how it goes. I apologize. I appreciate you hanging out anyway. We got a lot to do on the program today. I should have offered you my uh, cold Taco Bell that I had Saturday. That might have helped. I don't, I don't know how that would have helped. Well, it's just Taco Bell. It makes you feel good. Yes, when you're 12, it sure as hell does. Mm, and older. Like, no, no, no. I got So I got $40 worth of free Taco Bell Friday night. Why? It was pretty cool. They gave us the wrong order. Oh, and okay. And my friend just took it. And he like wasn't thinking, and uh-huh. he handed it to me. I was in the, I was in the passenger seat, and uh-huh. I was like, "This is not our order because this is like a twenty pound bag of Taco Bell." Right, and you just said, "Well, now I've got a twenty pound." Yeah, yeah. Bag and I was like, well, and then he pulled it out of the drive-through, and I was like, "Well, yeah, it, it was one a.m. Yeah, I was what, like, what, I'm not gonna eat all yeah, this." What's, what's the point? Yeah, so I was like, so let's just keep back in line. I wanted my Crunch Wrap, which was our original order. You were gonna get back in line? Yeah, we did because I wanted my Crunch Wrap. So you gave it back? Well, that was the thing. They couldn't accept it. They were like, since we already gave it to you. I think that is the rule. Yeah. I think that's the way it So they were like, just keep it. And we were like, okay. It was like, it was the biggest order of Taco Bell I've ever seen. Okay. This is the part that fascinates me. You wanted one crappy Taco Bell item so much more than all the other crappy Taco Bell items. Yes. The Crunchwrap is the best. The Crunchwrap Supreme is the best. Work with children. Just nothing but children. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that, that you know. Trying to save your voice for it. How yeah. much of the Taco Bell did you consume? Oh, I finished it. Yeah, it All took me. Took me until Sunday, but that is a hell of a. When, it, was, uh, it was a Taco Bell filled when I weekend. first moved home. Uh, and I try to remember what the story was. Uh, there used to be a bit that Chick Fil A would do, where if you put on like a football uniform, um, you could drive around and get a free chicken sandwich. And when I first moved home from Phoenix, I was very much young and broke. I mean, I absolutely was had nothing to offer society. And I collected the girl that I was dating at the time, my roommate, and I want to say a girl that I was trying to date at the time. And I said, let's get in a car and let's drive to all of the area Chick-fil-A locations. Yeah. And then we double dipped because we not only went through the drive-thru, but then we walked in to said Chick-fil-A location. This, which was next level. Like, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you're like, "Is this a crime?" No, is I respect it. That's what you have to do. Uh, I might have the picture somewhere, but there is a picture that was famous of our refrigerator, which was literally nothing but Chick Fil A sandwiches for like a week. For like a week, I remember I was talking about it on the show, and Forrester was like, "Really?" And then he was like, "I'm coming over to your house to watch the game on Sunday." I'm like, "Wait, wait, you're knocking me for my hustle." And now you want a taste of my Chick-fil-A bounty? Not going to happen. I'm pretty sure we did, actually. Um, that is what my brother did there for on his senior skip day. 
they just drove around to all the Krispy Kremes in like Maryland. Uh huh. And because how they were because they were how giving many like, of those are there? I don't know. But they they made the trek around the entire state. That, that's because they were doing like free donuts for like we, graduating we seniors. We didn't have to drive all that far in order to get to like ten right. Chick Fil A's and come away with. About they wanted their free Krispy Kreme Chick Fil A sandwiches. So. All right. Well, uh, so there you go. That's that's the hard-hitting information you've got from us this morning. You're welcome. You're welcome. Coming up on the program today, Steve Johnson, our buddy, former Orioles pitcher and uh, Kingsville native, will join us. We will chat with him about um, what was a nice, as it turns out, weekend series. And I, I got to be honest with you, I was feeling a little bit of the, ooh, there's a big offensive problem right now um yesterday if you were listening on the fan reed and i were talking about it going into yesterday's game they had gone seven of nine games where they had scored three runs or fewer including being shut out on saturday night and i'm not trying to suggest that one eight run outburst proves that the orioles have busted out of that but i and i also don't know what to take like is josh lester going to be your offensive catalyst moving forward I don't think so. Is Aaron Hicks going to continue to hit 460? I Probably. don't see why not. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Most likely scenario. Um, so we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it with Steve Johnson. Also get his thoughts on what to do when they need a fifth starter this weekend. Also on the program today, we're going to head out to Phoenix. My buddy Dan Minucci, former NFL quarterback, now with uh, Fox Sports 910 out in Phoenix. We're going to get his thoughts on DeAndre Hopkins. Why is it that the Arizona Card- like I feel like that's the one part of the DeAndre Hopkins conversation that's been lost. Why is it more valuable to the Cardinals to have future cap space than it is to have DeAndre Hopkins? I guess I, 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 we can, okay. we can yeah, do yeah. this and we can, like, uh, you know, but there's got to be, we at least have to go through the motions of asking the questions. And you can say, well, the Cardinals are tanking. And you can say, okay, that's fine. But I don't even know if that actually works. Like, I don't know what their ability is to get out of Kyler Murray's contract. If you want to say they're tanking for Caleb Williams. I'm I'm just not sure. We'll talk to Dan Minucci about it, get his thoughts, and exactly where DeAndre Hopkins is as far as the player that you would be getting if you do take a chance on DeAndre Hopkins, I still believe it to be unlikely that the Ravens are the team for DeAndre Hopkins, but, you know, we'll see. I did notice the the Bills apparently were the team that took on Leonard Floyd. Yes. So that was a veteran guy that, like, I don't think any of us would have been angry about the Ravens taking a flyer on with the questions that we have about their front at the moment. Um why not? Why? What do the Bills pay Leonard Floyd? What's going on with that? Yeah, I, I don't know, know what that's all about. I, I got questions. I blame you. I'm not sure exactly what's happened. I don't even know if anybody else can hear it. Nah, don't mess with it too much. Do not mess with it too much because right now it's fine. Don't mess with too much because you never know when it ends up being a disaster. Yes. Uh, right. Leonard Floyd, one year... Uh, I didn't. I don't. Get, I don't see. I do not see. The, the details aren't out yet because it, it literally happened like I guess two hours ago. Like yeah, but pretty normally that you report that it, you got a deal yeah. done, and then the next reports are what the financials are on a deal. And I have is not it, seen that. This is no, oh, no. Yeah, I'm looking at the Rams contract. So no, I do not see it either. Yeah, mm-hmm. weird, weird, weird. Whatever. I mean, I don't care all that much. I guess the question would be, why not? 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, why not Leonard Floyd? And the ultimate answer might be that the Ravens, like, kicked the tires on it, and Leonard Floyd said, no, I want to go back and hang out with my buddy Von Miller, who I played with in L.A., and so that's where I'm going. Like, it, it's not really that it was a bidding war as much as it was just Leonard Floyd making the decision to go re-team with Von Miller, and that would make some sense. But why not? Like, I, that's all I kind of want to know, and we'll never get that answer. If, if the Ravens have essentially said, our edge rush is going to come down, to, it's sink or swim, Ajabo and Owe, like, that's it's, bold. It is. It's bold as hell. I would somewhat understand that it's kind of like what we're talking about on the other side when you can you really bring in DeAndre Hopkins? Like you it's you gotta get answers on some of these guys. You gotta know you have used investments in these players. You're talking about, you know, a couple of second round picks. You kinda gotta know, is this a guy or not? Do we need to reinvest at that position moving forward? It's tricky. It's obviously tricky because it seems risky as hell. I mean, you have two guys. Yeah, because you have two guys who haven't proven anything. Um, I mean, you know, I, other than one it play, almost feels like. I mean, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, and, and look, it, it's unfair to say that about Jabba because he hasn't had the opportunity to prove anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like to say he hasn't proven himself. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess they they really expect him to be because he before the injury. Last yes, year was, was going to be a first round. Be, yeah, correct. So, but that doesn't mean that you know it was a. He's still coming off. A, I said two second round picks. Oway, of course, was a first round pick. Mm-hmm. So it's a second round pick and a first round pick. Oway was a first round pick, and yet we don't know exactly what he is. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Or it might be that they have somebody else in mind. Or I, who knows? But why wouldn't you be the team to take a flyer on Leonard Floyd? If we find out the day that Leonard Floyd signed for. An yeah, amount of money that, yeah, that you yeah, just sort like, of say, okay, now there's your answer. I can get why you wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, we'll talk more about DeAndre Hopkins here in a bit. It's also and Monday, so Jeremy Kahn will join us as he does every Monday. And maybe that, like, it, or since it probably closes the door for the Bills, at least, to get DeAndre Hopkins. So I don't know. I, I, I don't, don't know, I don't I know enough about their cap situation. I don't know how, and we don't know how much they spent on Leonard Floyd, right? Mm-hmm. So I. I, I, I like the thought process, but I don't know if that's actually true or not. Hey, today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. So, yeah, the Orioles do end up taking two out of three out in San Francisco. First MLB team this season to reach 20 road wins. Mm. They avoid a third straight series loss. That was the part, like, again, I don't ever want to make it seem like one baseball game is overwhelmingly significant, but it did feel like a lot of juju was kind of riding on this game yesterday. When you become the team that's now, when the trend starts looking bad. And that trend of seven out of nine games scoring three or fewer runs, the trend of having lost three straight series, like the trends start going in the wrong direction, then that can snowball at some point. They stabilize that. They get a much-needed win. They score some runs. Now they get an off day before they got to head to Milwaukee. The, the other news that seemed relevant yesterday, of course, is that Heston Kerstad is now being called up from double-A AA to triple-A, which has a lot of people asking questions. 
Was that because somebody else is getting called up from AAA to the bigs? Colton Kowser returned this weekend, played Saturday and Sunday. I believe had another good game yesterday. I know he had a great game in his return on Saturday. I believe he had another good game yesterday. We've been talking about Jordan Westberg for what seems like forever. At some point, he, I mean, he has to. Like, I don't think he hit another home run, right? He's still at 15, 15 home runs, though. 15 home runs. He's 24 years old. It seems like at some point, you have to make a move even if you don't know exactly what that's to do. Josh Lester is a temporary thing at the moment. He was here because Danny Coulomb went on the bereavement list, so I don't know how long Danny Coulomb is going to be away from the team. It might be that, you know, and I actually don't even know what the story is. I don't know, Mm. you know, who passed away, but obviously thoughts to Danny Coulomb and his family. But it might be that he's back by Tuesday, you know? Like, it might be that he's back or who knows exactly. And I I ask all these questions sort of because, okay, so Lester's not here for the long term. Right, like he's just here for a couple of days. Neat story, gets his first major league hit. Maybe he'll end up being on the roster again at some point this season. Neat, but he's clearly not part of the answer. Aaron Hicks has done enough that you got to keep running him out there. Like the way that we had talked about it, hey, if you run it out there and it doesn't work, well, it's working. So you got to keep running him out there until it goes the other way. Does that mean that he has to play every day? Not necessarily. And if Colton Kowser they deemed was ready before the injury, then they need to get Colton Kowser up and they need to have him be essentially an everyday player. But what about Jordan Westberg? I think that Heston Kerstad could be called up for any of these reasons. It could be that Heston Kerstad just got the call up because they said, the guy's been murdering double-A pitching. He... We want to advance him a little bit quicker because we're making up time with Heston Kerstad. So it's not even about what's going on as far as AAA to the major leagues is concerned. It's just about how ready we believe Heston Kerstad to be. Could it be paired with they want one more bat? They're losing a power. If, for example, the Orioles have decided Jordan Westberg is getting called up, then they might be saying to themselves, hey, we're losing a power bat. Like, we need another power bat. Let's bring up Kerstad. Could it be, hey, we're losing an outfielder. Kowser is getting caught up. So it's not perfect, but we're going to get one more outfielder. The hilarious part would be if it's Daz Cameron, right? Like that <laughs> Orioles fans are like, hell yeah, we're getting Kowser, we're getting Westberg. And they're like, nope. Uh, best I can offer is Daz Cameron. No offense to Daz Cameron. I'm not trying to take shots or anything like that. But it would just be ironic. If if that was how this played out after Orioles fans got themselves all worked up into a tizzy about it being one of the top prospects. We'll monitor that today. I'm going to guess, you know, the Orioles wouldn't would wait until tomorrow to make mm-hmm. an announcement. I think Hyde did <clears throat> actually say at some point over the weekend that Danny Coulomb should be back on Tuesday. So tomorrow. Um, so that would mean, just mean that Lester is returned right. to AAA. So that's that, I mean, that's but that, uh, thank you. It's yeah. obviously the far lesser of yeah. this conversation. The The more significant part is whether or not, you know, this does mean something ultimately. Heston Kerstad getting moved up to AAA for who could be coming to the major league level. And I I can't pretend... It's not just that I can't pretend to know. I obviously can't pretend to know. Well, you could. Um, How would I do that? (laughs) We just say things. (laughs) Just just throw anything Yeah, it's going to be uh, Colton Cowser. Sure. Just make things up. That's... (laughs) 
That's a good time for me to start that portion of my career. <laughs> oh, dude, obviously Jordan Westbrook's going to be in the majors tomorrow. We all know that. Go ahead and send out the text. Can you imagine? Just burn all the bridges Just for tweet, no yeah, reason. Glenn Clark reports. They're like, what? why is Glenn Clark sa- sacrificing his own career? <laughs> he must have something amazing lined up. Nope. Just going down in a blaze of glory. Just decided to burn it all down, man. Like, see what I can get insurance money wise. I don't know. Um, yeah, so we we'll see how that plays out. I, I, I'm conflicted about all of these things because, I, like, I do think that Jordan Westberg should be here, but it's you know it's compounded. I was talking about this with Ryan Ripken yesterday. You got to have. You got to be certain that there are everyday at bats for someone to have. You're not. You shouldn't just be bringing somebody up. So the original answer was, yeah, if you want to bring up Westberg because Kowser's not ready or Kowser's not healthy, then sure, bring up Westberg, play him at second, let Frazier play in left field, have Hayes play in center field. Bada bing, bada boom. Right. Well, now Kowser's ready. So which of them makes more sense? Oh, and Aaron Hicks does. Yeah deserve more at bats the way he's performing at the moment. So which one of these scenarios makes the most sense? I don't think you're sacrificing Arias. There is still the conversation to be had about Jorge Mateo, who has gotten a couple of hits, but still for the course of his last 30 games is getting on base at a sub 200. The way I described it yesterday is I have bold numbers that match Jorge Mateo's on-base percentage over the course of his last 30 games. Um, I mean, his OPS was like, it's under 500 in the month of May, I think, right? Like, oh, I, th- I think it's easily under yeah. 500. I mean, I don't I don't think it's... I, I, I'd have to, you know... You, you got to double-check on yeah. that for me, so I'm not just saying, talking out of my ass. Uh, on-base percentage for the last 30 games is 183. Slugging. Is 212. So it's not even 400. Wow. 395 OPS over his last 30 games. Now, again, I, you know, I get it. I get all the things. I understand. He's a good, solid defensive player. I, he's got speed. He's tantalizing because when he, I, like, I know we are going to, we're going to do this forever having this conversation. But at some point, and I, and the other tricky part about it is, if they've made a decision on Mateo, I don't believe that they would give Westberg the spot. I believe that they made a decision on Mateo that Jorge, or Joey Ortiz would get the spot because of the defense. Because they would say it's still critically important to us that we don't lose anything defensively in making a move like this. So, this is, this is difficult. I, I think that both Jordan Westberg and Colton Kowser should be at the major league level. I don't think there's anything more for either of them to prove. I specifically don't know how both of them get to the major league level. Mm-hmm. I, there is room right now for one of them. The more natural room is Colton Kowser. The guy that perhaps has done even more and earned the right to graduate is Westberg. Will it happen for either of these guys this week? I don't know. I just don't know. We're reading into something that could truly be unrelated. It really might be that they just looked, and this is a Heston Kerstad thing, not at all to do with Kowser or Westberg. But 
they're all conversations that need to be had. Orioles, again, are off tonight. Open up a three-game set in Milwaukee against the Brewers tomorrow night before they come home this weekend to play Kansas City. And you think the schedule starts to relent at least a little bit after what has been a brutal stretch from May now into June. You hope that they're able to uh, take advantage uh, at least slightly and maybe stockpile a few more wins as the month goes on. All right. <clears throat> Again, apologies for how I sound today. Today's show was brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers right now and get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet. See this and other great sportsbook offers at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. All right, our next guest, he's a buddy of ours, former Orioles pitcher, pride of Kingsville, and the man that said, you guys are stupid. The Orioles front office, they're killing it. They knew the entire time that Aaron Hicks was the piece that was missing. I don't think he actually said that exactly, but something like that. He's my friend Steve Johnson, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm good. How's it going? Other than my voice, dude, like allergy season hit me like a ton of bricks last week, man. Like up, <laughs> up the up the side of my head bashed me in and was like, hey, you don't need to talk for a living, do you? You're good. You can just take a few. God, it's awful, man. Just wretched. <laughs> um, all right, so we were joking uh, on the radio show last, a couple weekends ago. Um, that you were getting into it a little bit, and everybody was calling you a homer, and your point was simply, hey, look, um, the team's good. Like, what are we doing here? Why are we trying to, like, discredit the front office when the team is good? I don't know what to make of, like, a week of Aaron Hicks, who everybody made fun of the Orioles for picking up last week and has been unbelievably helpful for this team in five days. Like, at some point did we say – oh, my God, they really know what they're doing, or they kind of pulling a rabbit out of their hat for a little bit, and at some point we assume that Aaron Hicks goes back to being the guy that there was a reason why nobody wanted a week ago. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I feel like with certain guys, you get – you kind of they, – they get a fresh start. They go somewhere else, and, and, and you know, they, they all those, uh, you know, demons that they were fighting, wherever the team – with the team that they are with, they can kind of just – you get a breath of fresh air and you go somewhere else and you, you just kind of clear your head and, and you become a different player for a little bit. Um, I mean, you know, I remember, uh, you know, Nate McLeod, you know, yeah, when I was playing, it was like no one, mm-hmm. no one, no one wanted him at the time. He went down to AAA and absolutely lit it up. And then obviously he was a big part of that run that we had. So, um, I mean, that happens all the time with guys and, um, you know, you just hope that you catch, you catch it for as long as he, he has it, and you know who knows how that how long that will last. But for right now, it looks good. So that's that's all that really matters right now. So there's a lot of talk right now, Steve, about like when is the moment to call up a Jordan Westberg, a Colton Kowser, and I, it, it's fascinating to me because I, like Westberg in particular, you're talking about a 24 year old that has just murdered at the AAA level. He's got 15 home runs already this season. And I'm not even sure that we thought that power was, like, the most significant part of his game. I, I really do struggle with this because you're winning and things are going well, but at the same time, you've also, you've also scored three or fewer runs in seven of your last ten games. I also don't know that you can assume that anybody coming up from AAA is just immediately going to give you an offensive boost because, as we all know, it typically takes a little bit to get adjusted. How do you go about, like, when is the right time to call someone up and say, 
all right, whatever we've got going on, we need to give this guy a look, and we need to say he's graduated, he's earned the right to be at the major league level. Yeah, that's that's one that's, um, you know, I've been wondering that myself. It's like, okay, there's, there's been some things that have happened. Um, you feel like you've had an opportunity here and there um, to possibly give him a, um, a chance, and, and they haven't done it yet. So there, there has to be a reason. I'm assuming they maybe either want him to – um, they're, they're working on something with them down there, or, um, they just want him to be able to, when he does come up to have a, you know, a, a nice lengthy run rather than like being able to calm up, calm down uh, for, for whenever they need him. So, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure on that one. You, you it, it's honestly though, it, when you really think about it, it, it's a really good problem to have that, that now we're, we're talking about them having a great team and we're almost at a point to where you can't call, you can't just like automatically call up. Um, guys that are performing really, really well uh, down in AAA. And that's just something that they haven't experienced for a while. And, and as fans, I feel like, okay, we're, we're mad at, that, at this right now. But at the same time, I feel like we're in really good shape because whenever something does happen and whenever he is ready, whenever they do call up, you just have that excitement. Can, can I ask it this way? We had uh, Connor Norby on last week, and people got worked up because Connor – I brought up the idea of, hey, do, do you worry at all that there just might not be a spot and that ultimately, you know, you, you could end up being on the other side of a trade? And and he said it very matter-of-factly, like, hey, man, sometimes I think that might not be a bad thing. Sometimes, you know, I, I think it could be a good thing and would provide a clean opportunity for me to get a chance somewhere. And I appreciated the honesty of what he was saying. Orioles fans, of course, you're never going to believe this, Steve. On Twitter, sometimes people like kind of miss <laughs> the point. Um, but the Orioles fans like didn't love it, and we had to clean it up a little bit afterwards, and, and Connor handled that like a pro. He was great. But I do wonder if at some point like guys start to see, like, is there a path? Am I going to be rewarded for the things that I do well? Can there be a frustration that builds up throughout a system that – hey, it doesn't seem like you are rewarding us for what we're doing by leveling us up at the point where we should be there. Like if, I'm, if I'm Jordan Westbrook, again, I'm 24 years old, I've got to be saying to myself, like, man, really, what do I have to do in order to get this tr- chance? Yeah, no, as, as a player, that's, that's a whole different, different argument and a different uh, you know, situation that you're dealing with. I mean, you're, you're, it's your career on the line, and sometimes you only perform to get that call up for a, for a very short period of time. Um, and I don't mean that you're not good enough to get called up. It's just sometimes where when the timing's right, um, you're going through a stretch where you're hitting 15 homers in a you know, month and a half, two months. And uh, if you're hitting over 300 or, or doing really well and they don't need you at the time or there's not a spot, then all of a sudden you're going through a tough stretch where you haven't hit a homer in a while. You're batting 180 for the next, you know, 20 days or the last 20 days or whatever it ends up being. And they have like two injuries and they call up two other guys that are performing better right now. Um, so that stuff happens all the time uh, that people don't necessarily, um, you know, especially with a guy that wasn't as big of a prospect, that's not just going to automatically get the call. That was, that was things you think about. And, and, you know, you were like, Hey, I'm, I'm ready. And I'm, uh, there's no spots for me. And you look at all these other organizations that have, maybe they're calling guys up or they're not performing as well. And they don't have this plan where they want to keep these guys around for as long as possible to have this nice run. And they're just calling up everybody. And you're like, man, if I was there, I'd be, you know, I'd be in the big leagues for the last two years. And, um, and so that's stuff that you think about. And, and unfortunately um, for the Orioles, they're, they're, 
they're in a spot where they're going to have guys that are going to maybe want to go other places, but they have also have those as trades to get guys back that you're you're going to be happy with. Yeah, and that's and certainly part of the conversation as we move towards the deadline. Steve Johnson is with us here on GCR. Steve, um, I'm going to ask you this perspective as a pitcher, right? Jorge Mateo yesterday got, actually had a pair of hits, including only his second uh, extra base hit in a month. So I, I don't want to pile on Jorge Mateo because he was helpful yesterday to an Orioles win. But we all kind of know what's going on with Jorge Mateo in the last 30 games. Um, he is his, his OPS is sub 400 over his last 30 games. It's staggering. His on-base is sub-200 over his last 30 games. But we all know he's an outstanding defensive player. If you're a pitcher, are you take me through what you – do you say, hey, look, I don't care about that. I, 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 there's eight other guys in the lineup. If I've got that guy behind me playing shortstop, I feel really good about myself, so I don't care. Or is there a part of you that says, like, hey, but couldn't we find somebody that could play shortstop and – also, you know, maybe hit a little bit and help out and help us score some runs so I can maybe get some wins, things like that. Like, what what would the perspective be about a situation with a player that, again, has things to offer, but the offense is just so bad at this point? Yeah, as a pitcher, you're, you're going to want the defense. Um, it's so valuable to, to you in terms of getting out of innings, um, you know, just limiting damage, um, having guys on base, or not, not allowing guys on base um, just on plays that might not be made by the average guy. You know, those, those plays add up in, in, in uh, you know, in, in the long run. And, you know, he's already proven for a guy like that, he, he's not there. I mean, he, he, can, he can bring you offense here and there. Um, and he's shown in the first, obviously, month when, when he, you know, he can get hot. Um, he went on a little, you know, tough stretch and in, in uh, kind of came back to earth a little bit. But, you know the value that he brings defensively is 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 what you want as a pitcher. That's going to be what you know. There's like you said, there's a plenty of guys that can bring offense. He's his speed when he does get on base um, allows him to be even more valuable at that point. And with the with the defense, I mean, especially with a guy in, in um, you coming in with the bullpen, the bullpen's been you know struggling a little bit as of late. And you know you have that guy at short in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. You, I think you want him there. And I think as much as everyone could be frustrated with his offensive, um, you know, output of late, I think that there's always a, you know, uh, somewhere he can go in terms of he can hit 300 for a month. He's proven that. Is it going to be every, every month? No, probably not. But and value, value as a pitcher for, for having a guy that's basically going to make every play out there and then also make the, the even better plays is, is, is too big to, to kind of give up. I guess I just wonder, like, at what, how long can it go? Like, can it go on? Can it go that way forever? Can you just say it's uh, the comparison people make around here is the name Mark Belanger, right? Like, who just couldn't hit a lick, but was such a good defensive shortstop. But it was a different era of baseball, right? Like, you could you could do that more. Like, is there a point at which it breaks? Like, hey, if this continues for for two months, something like that, where you're just not helping offensively then we can't just keep doing this every day because of your defense. Like, we can't trot out essentially a pitcher hitting in the lineup um, and hope for the best at that point. Yeah, possibly. I mean, but at the same time, like, he, again, brings that value when he does get on base. And, and you know, all he has to do is bring, you know, get on base a, a little bit more. And all, now all of a sudden they're worried about him at first. 
and you know guys at the top of the lineup get better pitches to hit. Um, and in terms of wh- how they've been pitching um, and and how you know they they've also been struggling for runs as of late. Um, those little moments like that where you get that extra base, you keep them out of the double play, you tackle on one more run, mm-hmm. all of a sudden he makes a diving play the next inning, you keep it in, in a one-run game. Those are the things that don't show up on the, on the stat sheet um, for, for a guy like him. And, um, you know, there's guys like that in the, in the big leagues all the time. With it. That's why they've gotten to that point and gotten to this level um, is, is because of little things like that. And, uh, you know, you just hope that he puts on a little bit more offensively like he did in the first month. Um, and, and, you know, baseball is all about those ups and downs. And you just hope he has a little bit, uh, a couple more ups, uh, you know, at the, near the end of the year. Just It's a long season for a reason. All right. Let me, let me combine two issues. The first being the Orioles are going to need a fifth starter this week. Um, it, it could be Wednesday, but they could also just use today to reset and make it on, on Saturday. Combine that with the fact that, you know, Grayson Rodriguez went down and pitched six shutout innings in his first AAA start. Now, he did walk five batters, which is weird. Um, he only gave up one hit, but he had five wa- or five walks and six innings of shutout ball. So let me combine two things if I could, Steve. One, what do they do in the short term? Because it can't be what they did last week where they just said, eh, we'll, 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 we'll try our best with the, the bullpen game. And it was obviously a, an unmitigated disaster. And then what exactly would you need to see Grayson Rodriguez do before you'd be ready to say, okay, he should be back up here. He's got major league talent. He should be at the major league level again. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure Grayson's most likely going to get called up soon. You know, I don't think they want to keep him down there forever. His talent is too good. And, and they probably have him working on things, um, you know, possibly throwing his off speed more for strikes. Um, that type of thing, trying to like give him certain keys to work on, um, you know, as he goes down there. So, you know, some of those walks, obviously you're trying to perform well to get back up, but at the same time, they maybe have you say, Hey, when you can work on this, um, that, that's kind of happening, you know, a lot, but, you know, I think they just called up, well, they, they called up Bruce Zimmerman. Yeah. Um, I believe he was pitching well down there. He's a lot, you know, he's there to kind of be a long guy slash maybe be in a position that they can pitch him, um, in a game when they need a guy. Um, in that spot start situation. Um, so that might give them a, you know, maybe bring up an extra bullpen guy to, for that game because your long guy is going to be starting. Um, they could possibly do something like that. I mean, they have options. They have, it seems like they have a couple long, longer relievers available in the pen now. Um, not that you want to do a bullpen day. That's not what, the, you know, you never want to do that. Um, but when you have a guy that's been starting down in the minors, um, you know, that's, that's why he's there. Um, so, there's always a possibility with, with that, but I, I believe Grayson will probably be up um, fairly soon. I just think that they want to, you know, go do a little reset, work on some stuff, and obviously come back. Is can it, Do you feel like it's more of a mental thing with Grayson? Like, it felt like so many times he was just going center, center, you know? Like, it, is it does it feel like it's more mental than anything else when it when it comes to Grayson? It, it, I mean, it's it's just your first first time up there facing those types of hitters. Um, you, you have all those nerves and, and you f- try and find that nice little groove that, that you, you've just kind of get locked in, kind of settle down, settle down those nerves. But, you know, no matter how way, you know, which way you spin it, um, it's his first couple starts in the big leagues. And, you know, some guys are able to just take off and they get to that success right away and they're just able to run with it. Um, and other guys, they don't have that success right away, but, 
you know, they grow and they try and learn how, okay, I can get away with that here. I can't get away with that, you know, up in the big leagues. Okay. Now I need to work on that. And it gives them some information on, on what stuff they absolutely need to work on where they might not have had that fully, uh, or they may have got away with it more, you know, in the minors, um, or in certain situations. But, you know, we've seen that with, with a lot of different pitchers. You can take a guy like Gosman when he was here and when he was in a bunch of different yeah, places, yeah. he, he didn't, you know, really fully figure it out. And then he finally gets somewhere he grows. He had the time to grow and then he finds out what really works for him. And obviously you've seen what he's done. He's done lately. Um, so, you know, it, it sometimes takes a little bit of time for guys to really figure it out. And then to also not only figure it out, but make those changes. So, uh, I think it's more of that. Can I can I wrap with that with you, Steve? Like you, I, you're already seeing. And again, I'm, I know I'm I'm talking about the dumbest of the dumb, but you're already seeing from people that are like, oh, Grayson Rodriguez is going to get it fixed, figured out with a with a National League team in five years, right? Like that. What you allude to <laughs> with Gosman, with Arietta in the past. That, I, and it's it's hilarious because we're talking about the, like the span of now what 15 years when it comes to the diff, the names that we're bringing up, and nobody's the same from one of these guys to the next. But what do you make when somebody says, hey, the Orioles have a problem with bringing out the best in pitchers, and this is just going to be another example of that? Yeah, I mean, some, sometimes it's it's just there's a lot of pressure on guys who are top picks um, <clears throat> and and then get called up and they don't have success right away. Um, so then there's, not pre- there's pressure from the front office, there's pressure from internally, there's pressure from the fans, and then all of a sudden after not having success for a while, um, it's almost like people expect failure out of you and out of, out of, out of those guys. And that's a tough thing to also deal with. You're trying to constantly, you know, out, you know, prove something that people are just going to think that you're going to collapse. Um, and I think that's a hard thing to kind of talk about, um, and to explain, but you had these guys who maybe have dealt with that a little bit. They had a lot of pressure to obviously want to perform well, perform for the team that drafted them. And then they go somewhere else. And then there's this, they're not that team's pick. They're a guy that used to be a pick that they have these high hopes for possibly, you know, like they're a fresh start and that can kind of go a, a long way in terms of mentally allowing them to like free themselves up. Um, and then also maybe they get a tip from someone that sees something that also has fresh eyes on them. Um, and, and maybe that propels them into being, um, you know, doing well for a little bit, but Gosman also didn't go to the next team and perform yeah, really well. Right. He went to, yeah. you know, he went to the Braves, he went to Cincinnati, you know, he could have stuck with those guys, but they didn't want him either. So he went to the uh, the Giants and, and obviously figured something out there. And, um, you know, I, we, we know we've seen what he's done uh, recently. So, you know, as a, as a friend of his, it's, it's awesome to see um, that happen. And also with Arietta, I was there. No one had any that had better stuff than Arietta. Even when he was with us, you watch a bullpen, you're like, okay, if he's going up there and getting getting hit, and, and how, how am I going to do it with my stuff? Um, you know, you'd really think that because of how good his stuff was. So it's all just about, you know, getting it, get, you know, allowing yourself to figure it out. Uh, and sometimes it just takes the right mentality at the right time. And, and sometimes a fresh start to ha- allow that to happen. But you obviously hope there's a lot of people that do it, you know, w- without that a- as well. So, you know, it's just, you, you hope he figures it out at the right time um, to, to obviously give the Orioles a, um, a nice chance here. How did uh, Sunday morning baseball go yesterday? I actually uh, was out of town. Oh, so I was down in Ocean City, so I didn't. Well, I think they won. Oh, so. wait. <clears throat> oh, man. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You might be the weak link. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> that might be the issue. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I need to. I need to get my my hitting down. I just it's not it's not where I want it to be right now. I'm I'm still doing well. I just I need to get to the extra base hits going. But all right, uh, all right. yeah, they won like tw- twenty to twelve. I think you picked so. the wrong weekend. The pitching to to, wasn't there. This was the worst weekend to be at the beach was, and I feel like the weather was was miserable for a beach weekend. Yeah, yeah, it was very it was very bad. Oh, um, what are you doing? Good day on Friday. Yeah. Good day on Friday, but uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a colder week. Not definitely. It's it was it was uh, interesting. Remind Normally we don't get that in June, right? Like you're like, oh, I'll wait till June. I'll be good. Man, it was not the weekend. I'm not mad at it though. I, I, okay, I, so I, I like I like the cooler weather. Okay, but are you the type that wants to sit out on the beach for like six? At- See, this is the issue that I have, and I deal with this with my wife all the time, Steve. Where like she wants to wake up at six a.m. and just literally sit on the beach until three in the afternoon, whereas I'm like, I will join you at nine a.m. And I will depart around noon. Like a nice two to three hours at the beach is more than enough for me, because at some point you're just laying around reading a book, and I can do that, you know, back by the pool or something like that. You know, like I'm, I'm good. How much actual beach time do you like when you make your Ocean City trip? I, I am, I'm not like a, I'm not a beach guy. See, but I'm, I'm learning to be because obviously everyone that I go to the beach with wants to do that so um i've kind of grown into being more of a a beach guy i don't i wouldn't once i'm out there i'm fine it's just the thought of sitting out there that kind of keeps me from from doing it it's the doing nothing part for me right like if i get in the water cool (laughs) if i get back up we're throwing the football around something like that all good but the point at which it's like you got to entertain the kids as they play with sandcastles or whatever. I'm like, I, I I can only be buried in the sand so many times before it's like, come on, man, let's go, let's go ride some go karts or something. What are we doing here? Like, let's yeah, go. I I agree. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm that way. I don't I don't have the I don't have the kid part right, yet, so that's right. another layer. That's another layer of of uh you know. But I, it's it's a good time once I'm out there, and and uh, I'm learning to be a little bit better at it normally. I'm not uh, uh, for for most of my life. I have not been the let's go to the beach and sit there all day. But I'm getting there. Remind everybody about optimal baseball performance. Uh, so I actually just starting our summer session uh, today. Um, and just hoping hoping to get some kids out there, get some uh, get get them on the right track, basically mechanically, uh, physically, um, hitting and pitching. And uh, it's been a great time so far. And, um, I'm really excited to, to be able to go there and do that every day. At S. Johnson at 831 on Twitter, and you can find out more there. Always appreciate you, brother. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yep, have a good one. Steve Johnson, former Orioles pitcher, with us here on GCR. All right, we come back in. We'll talk a little bit about uh, Game 2. Stunner last night in the NBA Finals. I mean, utterly shocking as Miami rallies from down 15 to beat the Nuggets and even up the series. First road team to win in Denver all playoffs long. We'll talk about that, and we're going to get into uh, some DeAndre Hopkins conversation as well. That's all on the way. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. (laughs) 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles, diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson, and Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know it's on Grinder or anything, I swear. On second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Win four tickets to all of the area's minor league baseball teams, plus an Easy Pass Maryland on the go transponder, preloaded with $25, and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms. Right now, you got to register pressboxonline.com slash contests. Pressboxonline.com slash contest, and you only have nine more days to register before we pull a winner. you got to be 18 or older in order to enter, but an opportunity for you to check out all the area's minor league baseball teams. Again, if you enter at pressboxonline.com slash contest. How are my chances looking? Uh, I don't think you are eligible. I am so what? sorry, but tell all of your friends, and then maybe one of them will take you along oh, that's true. on the ride okay. this summer. Get gotta, them all registered. Got to find some friends. Uh, that is yeah. that is the difficult part. Maybe just like you know, register for them. Oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not. Like I'm not. I don't know. If, I think that might be illegal. But like, hey guys, uh, if you got an, an email yeah, in like yeah. uh, two weeks, yeah, let under, me know. Understand? I mean, it can't it can't hurt, right? Yeah. You know? What are gonna be mad at you because you won them a prize? Like, no. oh Griffin, you son of a bitch! You got us free tickets to all of the minor league teams and a. Easy Pass Transponder and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms. I hate you. I'll never talk. It's like it's like getting mad about what J.K. Dobbins tweeted when he said, I hope I'm here forever and I love Man, you. Man, Baltimore, <clears throat> I love you. What a heel. What's that supposed to mean? <sighs> what a bad guy he is. Jeez. Yeah, what, are they going to be mad at you? God, you jerk. Oh, well, we'll never talk to you again. Winning us contests. Terrible person you are. I used to do a bit where, all right, this is a straight shoot. Uh, my old roommate, we love, he's, he's uncle to my kids. Like, he's mm. he's one of our closest friends. Um, but whenever we go to, like, a fair and people be giving something out, like, hey, if you, if, you, if you register your email address, you can spin the wheel to win a water bottle or something like that. I would always sign him up every effing time. 
I'd be like, oh, absolutely. Matthew Dodge. Molesky. Like, you just get to every the point. Every damn time. You're just signing him up for credit cards. And- <laughs> oh, well, I didn't. No, no, no. I, I, oh, no, I did. Oh, okay. man. All right. So they used to do that at baseball games where, like, they give you a cool prize if you right. sign up for a credit right. card. Um, and so they give you, like, a, I don't know, a duffel bag, you know, like something that was legitimate at baseball games. Like, it's something that felt like a real thing. Not a pen. They give you a, a hat. They right. give you a, a shirt, something like that. Yeah, that's something I can use and yes. wear. I definitely did that. <laughs> definitely did that. Sign him up for the Delmarva Shorebirds credit it card. Up. He can snap it up when he yeah. gets it in the mail. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> I might have ruined his credit. Yeah, uh, yeah. What, it was worth it. I got a duffel bag. <laughs> oh, my God, all the time. And, like, for a little while, he tried to get start, like, getting back at me, but he clearly did not go to as many baseball games as I did. <laughs> Very clearly was not attending as many baseball games because I was way out in front on that one. Way out in front. Like, I had his address. I had all the information I needed in order to fill out that thing. And, uh, oh, man, I, I miss those days. Why'd they stop doing that? Was it deemed illegal? Was that a, what, what it was? Why Just, do we like, not... the random giveaway stuff? No, no, no. The, like, I mean, like, or... specifically the credit card. Because, like, oh. that used to be a part of going to baseball games. was, like, the, the, the real prize that you could get for signing up for a credit card. They don't do that anymore. That's not that's not a yeah, thing. I guess. I wonder if at some point. Like, Maybe they suckered too it, many people. Yeah, like, we stepped in yeah. as a country, and we were like, yeah. This isn't ethical, really. This doesn't seem right. <laughs> Now we do a lot of other things yeah. as a country that probably shouldn't be ethical, but that one's certainly high up on the list. Um, stunner last night in Denver. I mean, uh, shocking. Uh, like, we don't use shocking very often. It's not shocking that the Heat won a game in the NBA Finals. Like, I think most of us assume that it would go five. It's shocking, one, that they won in Denver. It's shocking, two, that they won when they were down 15 points. And when after they had gotten an early lead and Denver had seized control of the game, it felt very much like, all right, well, this was fun. Like, this mm-hmm. was fun, but we know how things are going to go. Their defense, the Miami Heat, in the fourth quarter, unbelievable. I am confused by neither team taking a timeout in the final four minutes of the game. Hey, I love it. No, no commercial breaks. I, I hear and, you. Uh... I hear you. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised the NBA didn't step in at some point. Like, oh, you didn't call timeout? Huh. Oh, we screwed that one up. Well, let's take a timeout anyway, gang kind of surprised the NBA didn't try to do something about it. I'm confused about it on both ends, right? Like when Miami was then turning around and blowing a 12-point lead late, I'm a little confused by the fact that at no point did they say to themselves, maybe we talk about this? Maybe we try to slow things down a little bit? I'm confused that at no point, I mean, look, for what it's worth, Jamal Murray got a pretty good look at the end Mm -hmm. of the game. I mean, I I don't know that if you would have called a timeout, you would have gotten a better look. You certainly would have allowed Miami more of an opportunity to think about whether or not they wanted to foul in that situation. Um, And I don't know which – that's the other thing I don't know if you're the Nuggets. Which is more desirable? A quick foul that keeps 10 seconds on the clock and allows you to try to hit two free throws, commit your own – you know, like I don't know what Denver would have said is the more desirable scenario. But ultimately they did get a good look at the end and Jamal Murray missed it and they probably live with that. Does it drastically change how I feel about the series? No. I, I I don't know. Denver fell apart in the fourth quarter. Not just not scoring, but just dreadful. I mean, not even getting looks on certain attempts, on certain possessions. 
I don't think that Miami can keep doing that for four games. I, I think that at some point, it felt like there were moments where Denver just needed to go play bully ball, like just needed to say, hey, we've got more 6'9 dudes than they do. We've got more guys. And that's eternally. Like I say this all the time. about. I, I think Michael Porter is a nice piece, but you look at Michael Porter and you say, why aren't you better? Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't you a better basketball player? You have every attribute that physically you could possibly want. Like, you should be LeBron James. Why aren't you? And I don't know the answer to that question, and nor have I cared to bring it up. Like, it's, it's not something I wanted to dive into with Scott Hastings because it's not nearly as exciting as the rest of the story. But at some point in the fourth quarter, it felt like Denver should have been saying, okay, we just need to go play bully ball. Like, they're switching to this zone. Let's just go use our big dudes and go at them. And to Bam Adebayo's credit, he played really well. I mean, unbelievably well in that fourth quarter. And Duncan Robinson was unconscious. Like, it's that's the even crazier part is that Miami wins a game in this series with a dominant fourth quarter, and the story is not Jimmy Butler. Like, at all. It's not Jimmy Butler. Um. You know, I still think Denver is a drastically better... Drastically un, is unfair. I still think they're a definitively better team. They've got like, they've got a easier path, I guess, to, to, to winning because they just... I mean, they're just the better team. Like, Yeah. yeah. Now, I, it's what we've said. As I am guilty of doing the thing that I should know better than do. Our buddy uh, Jeff Ehrman from InsideMDSports.com uh, tweeted out last night, Writing off Miami feels like all the years that we've written off a Michigan State team going into March, right? Like, you know, you know, and you still say to yourself, nah, they can't. They just can't. No matter how many times you've watched them already. It was, it was foolish to assume they wouldn't win a game. I still think it would be foolish to assume that they're going to win the series. Like, I just don't, I just don't see it. But at the same time, that's all they've done all playoffs long is prove people wrong. And I thought last night, going to the zone, it's a reminder that Eric Spolstra, the guy that we never thought, the guy that we thought was just along for the ride. I kind of love how this, this meme has been reintroduced to us from the summer league a couple years ago when uh, George Sedano and Dan Dockich got into a fight during a summer league broadcast about Eric Spolstra, because George Sedano, who in fairness came from Miami, like he was based in Miami for years before he went out to L.A., said something like, well, Eric Spolstra is one of the top five coaches in the entire NBA, and dummy Dan Dan Dockich, who's got nothing to offer to the world, um, is just like, what are you talking about? And like literally, you think he's as good as Brad Stevens? (laughs) Hilarious. Clearly, way better. Hilarious. Yes. I mean, like it's hilarious. Re-listening um, to this argument that these two dudes got into, um, because Eric Spolstra is, of course, proving what I, clearly the people in Miami knew. The people in Miami knew because they were watching night in and night out. You guys are wrong. This guy wasn't just along for the ride with these really good players. This guy is a damn good head coach, and now the world is seeing it. Like, there's no debate, obviously, any longer. Eric Spolstra is maybe number two. I mean, like, Greg Popovich is clearly the best coach in modern NBA history. Steve Kerr, I feel like we've – I mean, I'm saying post-Phil Jackson. Greg Popovich is unquestionably the the best coach in in the modern era of the NBA. 
I think Steve Kerr, because the results, has been lauded as the second-best coach. But I don't know. There might be an argument for Eric Spolster being the second-best coach in this modern era of the NBA. It's insane how good this dude is at this. And So I was going to use it for tidbit, but uh, it, it's fitting now. That, I mean, the Heat were down by eight points. They were down 83-75 entering the fourth quarter, and they now have four wins in this postseason alone when they enter the fourth quarter uh, down by eight points or more. So Miami is four and five in those situations this postseason. The rest of the NBA one and forty-one went down by eight points That's entering amazing. the fourth quarter. That is amazing. One and forty-one. The and rest again, of the I, NBA. some of that is Jimmy Butler, right? Mm-hmm. Like some of that unquestionably is, dude. The presence of Jimmy Butler has led them. But that last night was not Jimmy Butler. The, the story of what the Heat did last night is not Jimmy Butler went and won them an NBA Finals game. Because I feel like if it was that... He did have nine assists. I mean, I'm not trying to say he didn't play well. I'm saying in some games, it's been Jimmy Butler just takes over. Right. It's, it's almost like the thing that we talk about from LeBron James famously against Detroit all those years ago. Where like, it was cool, but you kind of knew. You're like, well, he can't do this every time out. If last night the Heat had won because Jimmy Butler just went unconscious, it would be easier to dismiss it and say, well, look, there was always going to be a Jimmy Butler game. Like, that was always going to happen. This, I feel like you got to really think about the ramifications of it because there might still be a Jimmy Butler game. And can they go back to making the Nuggets' life miserable? Clearly, the Nuggets are going to spend the next couple of days focusing on what we what do we do against the zone. But, like, can you find other ways? Like, are there, does Eric Spolster have more tricks up his sleeve to try to make the Nuggets' life miserable? I don't remember who it was. It might have been Bomani that tweeted out last night. Um, the Miami Heat are the best at getting teams to play dumb as s. And uh, yeah, well, yeah. And that is what they've done. They, you know, that, they, and that's what exactly what Denver yeah. did last night. It was dumb as s. I'm trying to see if I can find this tweet. Yeah, I can't find it. Whatever. Life. Will go. Oh no, it wasn't Bomani. It was Dan Greenberg, who is oh, apparently okay. somebody from Barstool. Uh, Dan, look at you endorsing Barstool. I don't have a. I've never had beef with Barstool. Okay. I mean, like, they don't need my help, but, like, I don't know. Like, what, what, why would I be mad at Barstool? <laughs> like, what would they, they've never done anything to me. The Heat finally found a way to force the Nuggets to play dumb as shit, and the result is pretty much what happens when a team plays dumb as shit versus the Heat. About right. Mm-hmm. About right. That was about, by the way, high praise that I compared him to Bomani. I don't even yeah. know who this guy is. <laughs> like... That's the thing. I'm not. I don't. I don't dislike Bart. It's just not. You know. Like I. I like Eric. Right. Like I like the yeah. people that the guys that I know. I don't read much of their other content, and I don't listen to their podcasts or anything like that. I. I think the guy PF comment PFT commenter and um, uh, Big Cat. I think those guys are funny on Twitter, but I've never listened to their show. Um, but like, if co- funny content's funny, good content's good content. That's a good tweet. That's a good tweet because yeah. it's exactly what it looked like last night. Um, they forced the Nuggets to play dumb as shit. Yeah, they played dumb as shit. Two nights off. It's such a dumb schedule now. Wednesday, Friday, Monday. For yeah, the next three games, the NBA Sunday's finals. right there. Sunday's a good night. We got nothing next Sunday. We got no, there's no Stanley Cup final game. There's no NBA finals game. There's no succession. There's no nothing. The, the baseball Jeez. game is the- Yankees Red Sox. Gross. Yeah. Uh, the Tony Awards are Sunday. Oh, thank you. God, now I've got my entire week planned. Ah, 
I wish you would have told me that earlier. Yeah. It might be on Paramount Plus too. Are we so gonna you gotta go out and like really find it? Actually, I think it is on CBS. Are huh? we are we gonna do like a, a betting pool? Are yeah, we gonna do Tony, like a for the Tony Awards? I mean, we do that every year, don't we? How's Chicago looking? Uh, Chicago's looking good. Rent. New York, New York, also I think looking pretty good. Yeah, we think they got a shot to win. <laughs> Our number one of today's show is in the books. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by AJ Michaels, expert and award-winning AJ Michaels heating, AC, plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. AC season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at AJMichaels.com. Yeah, game three of the NBA Finals will be on Wednesday night. So we got Stanley Cup tonight, nothing tomorrow. Although the Orioles do play tomorrow, so that's fine. Then uh, game three of the NBA Finals on Wednesday, game four on Friday, and then they shift the series back to Denver for game five next Monday. So that's what's coming up in the next few days. We're going to switch gears here in hour number two of the program. We've been talking a lot about DeAndre Hopkins the last couple of weeks, and maybe despite everything the Ravens have already done at wide receiver, could it be that one more piece that really elevates them in this murderer's row of AFC offenses they'll have to go up against to try to get to a Super Bowl. Joining us now, this man, I believe, the oldest human being I've ever known, but he's also singularly responsible for all the success of 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy. Literally, the man had no talent at all until he met this guy. He is my friend and a host on Fox Sports 910 out in Phoenix. He is our buddy Dan Minucci, and he is back with us here on GCR. Minucci, what's going on, brother? How are you? Oh, Glenn, always great to catch up with you. Hey, look, now I'm 45 and holding, okay? Stop now, it. Stop it. give or take a few years, I'm uh, I think I'm getting a little more gray, but uh, hey, if what, what, uh, you think 45 is old, it's well, give or I, take a few I, years, I, I swear, I think I saw something on Facebook where your wife was like celebrating your birthday and said what your age was, and I said, there's no way. That's That's got to be 20 years shallow <laughs> of what he actually is. There's no way Minucci isn't already 80 at this point. I don't believe that. Yeah. Here, here's the thing, Glenn. You're for us Italians, for all the Italians that they're listening, I figured out the secret. It's in moderation, as you know, so you got to have it's olive oil, garlic, and red wine. And not particularly in that order. So that's kind of what keeps you going and training those fine young quarterbacks, like you said, like Brock Purdy and, and Tyler Shuck, who's the quarterback at Texas Tech, and Chubba Purdy, who's now at Nebraska, and not to mention one Bryce Perkins, uh, who was with the Rams for several years, who's now a, a free agent. But uh, just real quick update on Brock before we uh, dive into D-Hop yeah. here. Uh, he's doing really well. He Great. started throwing, we call it soft tossing, last week. Um, Threw one day, took a day off. Um, I think he threw a total of two or three days, if I'm not mistaken, but just like 10, 15 yards, just kind of like going through the motions with the football. And uh, rehab went really, really good. So, you know, I tell Glenn, we're hoping that maybe by the end of July, mid-August, um, he's all good to go and ready to cut it loose without thinking about it. What a, what a story that was. You know, and before we get to Hopkins, for people that don't know, this is a straight shoot. Minooch has trained young quarterbacks in the Phoenix area for, again, if he's 80 years old, for for 70 years at this point. I mean, like, it's, it's what he's done. Um, at when, least. When, we, at when, least. When, we, when I was working with Minooch years ago, he would show up and he'd be like, I was out in the lab this morning working with the guys. And this is something he's done for forever. And legitimately, Brock Purdy – is one of his guys. So I ask you this question as legitimately as possible because I know you believe in all of your guys. But yeah. did you know this was possible? Like, did you 
know if he just gets his chance, he's going to prove he is a high-level NFL quarterback despite being the last pick in the NFL draft? I feel like you, you, know, I feel like you I, were picked I, earlier than he was. <laughs> I was. I was picked the fifth round, and yeah. he was picked the seventh round. You know what? I, just, I always figured that, number one, that, that Brock um, had a great shot at making the team first and foremost, okay? And number two, just as, as hard as he works, and as much as he's played, man, he's played, he played 46 college football games that he would have an opportunity with all the reps that if given a chance, he would have a good shot at making the team number one. And then if he played with a good coaching staff around him, uh, they could put some good pieces around him and he would have success. Now, did I think I would see something like this? Probably if, if I was going to say on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the best, I'd have given him a seven or eight that he could go out and perform because of his poise, his moxie, and Glenn, his athleticism on top. He moves well. He throws well on the run. But if given the pieces around him, the line, and just how hard he works and how just yeah. he's just a great guy on top of that, that he would have a shot. Now, this kind of success, I think, for a lot of people is, I would say, yes, he'd have this kind of success if given those pieces around him. I, I really would. That's awesome. I, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for him. I don't even know him, and I'm happy for As long as the Ravens don't play him in the Super Bowl this year, in which case then I'm going to have to hate him, and you and I will be mortal enemies, and that's, that's okay. Well, here is yeah. it. I got to tell you, he's just such an outstanding young man. I mean, he's just one of those cool. yes, sir, no, cool. sir, and how can I help you? <clears throat> and always reaching out of his way to help other people. And on top of that, he just is diligent in his work ethic and his studying and understanding. And he's just a good guy. I mean, you would love him. Um, how just nice of a young, fine awesome. young man that he is. That's awesome, man. Great. I'm, I'm happy. I really am happy for you. It's a really cool story, and I know how much work you put in with those guys. And as much as we made fun of you constantly, I also know what <laughs> I, I, and this was the shame of it, is we would try to make fun of Manooch, and then literally, you know, he'd be like, oh, hey, here's an NFL player. They're going to call in later today. And all that guy would say is, Manooch has done so much for me in my life. And I'd be like, damn it, this makes it really hard for me to turn around and make fun of him later today. Dan Manucci uh, is with us, former NFL quarterback, of course, uh, now out in Phoenix. He is a host on Fox Sports 910. Manooch, let me ask you this way. Why are the Arizona Cardinals valuing future cap space over the presence of DeAndre Hopkins? Boy, you know, I got to tell you, I said the same thing. I'm like, here, here you have a perennial all-pro. Uh, here's the guy last year that had 64 catches, okay? He was averaging 11.2 yards per catch. Um, now, he was dinged the year before. He only had, like, 40-some catches, as opposed to his first year that he had 115 catches. And I guess just the new regime, the new culture, all the above, um, decides that they want to just get rid of him, clean house. Uh, got absolutely nothing for him. And to your point, clearing that cap space, they got all that cap space and nowhere to go, right? So I think that it might have been a combination of a couple things. From that final game, uh, that last year against that final game, it seemed as though DeAndre Hopkins, it seems, I can't verify this, Glenn, it didn't, this did not want to be a part of a rebuilding regime, which mm -hmm. they are. Um, it, it seems it, it might have been a more of a two-way street, I think. I think they um, adhered to his wishes, and I'm sure it was a mutual – what do they call that? A mutual understanding of a parting of the ways. Um, or it could be like some divorces, 
um, irreconcilable differences, whatever it may be, tough to see a perennial all-pro receiver go. And with this team in rebuilding mode, and they figure, well, if we're going to rebuild, uh, let's get rid of them, let's get rid of the cap space. But then on top of that, you've got all this money. What are you going to do with it? Uh, you know, I know you can carry uh, a portion of it over. But, yeah, very, very intriguing. But it seemed like from the get-go, Glenn, that it was pretty much something that was going to happen. I'm like you. I'm a, I'm a ex-quarterback. I've got one of the top weapons in the league. Right. And we're getting rid of it? Okay. I guess we truly are rebuilding. Or I'll, I'll, sort of, I'll, I'll come short of saying tanking. I just don't like that word. But it's kind of like, all right, we're all in to rebuild over the next couple of years. We got our 11 draft picks for next year. We can move some pieces around. But I got to tell you what, this fan base out here understands this team is going nowhere fast, especially without DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I, I, so what you didn't say in there is that you know how this goes anymore, Manuch, with receivers that get past the age of 30. That you yeah. know, t- a couple years ago, I was here banging yeah. on the desk about Julio Jones. That, that the, the Ravens desperately needed Julio Jones. And now nobody wants Julio Jones, and we're only two years removed from that moment. And thankfully, the Ravens didn't give up a first-round pick to go get him because what a disaster that would have been. What It sure. doesn't sound like you're saying is that you think DeAndre Hopkins has reached a point where he's not helpful any longer. Do you? I, I, I get it. We have to be reasonable about this. I don't think he's ever going to be DeAndre Hopkins of five years ago. But it, it sounds like you're not saying, hey, this guy just can't be a high-level player anymore. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not saying it all. I'm just saying that they I, – I just – what I think it really was was he just didn't want to be right. part of a, a, a regime, a rebuilding regime. No. He still would be the best receiver on this team and very, very capable of catching 75 to 85 balls. He may have lost a step, but that's it. He still catches the 50-50 balls. He still catches the ball, runs great routes. He's quick. He's explosive. He may not be that 4-4-40 guy anymore, but he might be a 4-5-40 guy. Well, what I'm saying is I just, I just think that the attitude or, or the feeling with D-Hop and his Cardinals uh, was just not going to work. I still think he's going to be very productive. I still think he's one of the top five receivers in the National Football League from what I've seen. And he's still got a lot of juice or gas in the tank or – However you want to say it, yeah. uh, he definitely has that. And, uh, you know, for him to move on, that's a big hole in this Cardinals offense. I, you know, do you go to your boy Hollywood Brown on a consistent basis? Um, can he stay healthy? Rondell Moore can't stay healthy for more than a minute. Uh, you got Zach Ertz who's coming off a major knee surgery. Yeah, you got the, the, the tight end that was a rookie last year. But, Glenn, who, who are they going to throw to? And then you get rid of the perennial off-pro for whatever reasons. Um, that just – it doesn't make sense to me if you're trying to win, if we win football games during a season. No, I get it. And now, look, the good news for me, Manuch, is those things don't concern me any longer, the uh, the business of the Arizona Cardinals, which was difficult <laughs> for me for the couple of years that I was out there with you uh, for the most part. Uh, the team that I've been around for the better part of my life n- makes pretty good decisions in the Baltimore Ravens. So yeah. let, me, let me float this out there for you and just have you put your analyst hat on. Uh, what I'm struggling with, because, again, like the first thing that, that I've said for years, the Ravens have been so awful at the wide receiver position outside of you know the one time we went to Arizona and plucked a receiver away from you guys uh, in Anquan Bolden, mm-hmm. which worked out quite well. Yes. 
Um, they've been so awful that any time a receiver is brought up, almost immediately I say, yes, y- yes. Like, even guys that aren't that good anymore, I'm like, well, it still might be better than what you have. But the Ravens, for the first time, have put in some, like, legitimate investment at the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. And Odell Beckham, I'm not really sure where he is at this point in his career, but I had no problem with them taking a flyer on Odell Beckham. And it clearly helped with getting the Lamar Jackson deal over the finish line, so I was good with that. But they've also used now two first-round picks on receivers in the last couple of years in Rashad Bateman, who, when healthy, has looked really good, but there's the qualifier of when healthy, and now this year on uh, Zay Flowers from Boston College. So I wonder if at some point it's a smarter idea to say, we've used these first-round picks on receivers. We need to commit to them and their development. And as Mm -hmm. talented and as good as DeAndre Hopkins is – we don't want to do anything that would slow down the path of those guys maybe being the duo of wide receivers that can build with Lamar Jackson for the next five, six, seven years to create sure. what they have, say, in Cincinnati right now with those receivers sure. and that quarterback. As, as nuts as it sounds, is there maybe a world in which it could be detrimental to the Ravens to take on a DeAndre Hopkins on top of what they've already done at the receiver position? Uh, I mean, if you can improve your football team, you do whatever it takes. I understand what you're saying. Man, we got all this talent. Odell Beckham's coming in. And and if we could afford, keyword afford, uh, one DeAndre Hopkins to come in at a price he can agree upon, he's not going to make that, what, $14, $15 million that Odell Beckham is going right. to make. Um, that's the new comp, you know, basically. Then he would have to take, if he would agree to come in less than that, have incentives, why would you not bring him in? to improve your team, and those young guys can develop behind him or learn behind him. I understand what you're saying, but in the National Football League, right, you have to win now, Glenn. You've got to go get the guys you can. Um, if he's a good locker room guy, all you we hear is a good locker room guy. He's cooperative. He's always there. That's important. Um, that's very important, and he might have a little hamstring issues here and there, whatever type of thing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he'd be a huge asset, I think, to that, that Baltimore Ravens. I look at the receiving core, and then you have an outstanding tight end with Andrews yep. plus the young guys. And, and with Odell, you know, coming off of, what, two major knee injuries, I think that that's kind of a damn good insurance plan to go get one of the top receivers in the National Football League, and the young guys can develop because, Glenn, you just said that the young guys, you know, early draft choices, they're still young guys. And you get a vet that can come in there and, and uh, you have like an Odell and a DeAndre Hopkins. And now Lamar Jackson realizes, look, I can go throw the ball instead of run the ball and maybe knock off, maybe save three or four years of having to move around. Then that expands your passing game to Glenn. Are, are you listening? Mm-hmm. Hands the 10 and two seatbelt on. Yeah, right. Having a legitimate passing game in the National Football League. Yeah. And that I, guy, I'd and like that. I'd like that. Manuch, I. Well, and I think, I think you're following what I'm saying. I think the key there is experience, outstanding receiver, good locker room guy. And if it fits and he, he's got a guy like Odell in there with him, I mean, you know, hey. The uh, AFC Championships, the uh, where you're looking to go. I look, man. I you're selling me well, and I think the point of that 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 you is strongest to me is you believe that DeAndre Hopkins would be beneficial to the development because that the, the part of it is so crucial to me 
the development of those two dudes. Because even if DeAndre Hopkins is outstanding, you can't assume that he's going to be here for playing at a high level even another three to four years. But you believe that the presence of DeAndre Hopkins would be not detrimental but perhaps beneficial to these two young receivers, Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers. Yeah, when, when you say when you say Bateman and Flowers, I'm like, okay, I see potential. Yeah. Versus. Yeah. Versus, if I've got Odell on the field and I've got D Hop on the field, well, I've got to account for both of them and not just one of them. Are you following me on that? Of course. So, Flowers, okay, babe, uh, okay, we can do cover two or three. All of a sudden, I got two dudes on the field. Then all of a sudden, that opens everything else up. I, I like, look, man. We, it's been a long time since it's that type of offense has existed in Baltimore. In fact, basically never has that type of offense existed in Baltimore. <laughs> so it is awfully compelling the thought of that. Uh, you know, Minuch, I'm still a Suns fan from the uh, two years that I spent out there. I just I got drunk on it, like being around. Uh, Mike D'Antoni and Sean Marion and Steve Nash and Marty Stoudemire. That was a fun couple of years to be out there. And we didn't have, we, you know, we've never had a team here. So I just fell in love with that team. How's everybody feeling about Frank Vogel? How's everybody feeling about the direction? Like the, it just looks so messy with when they brought yeah. in Kevin Durant. They never looked right. They just looked like a team that had yeah. no idea who was supposed to have what role and everybody was deferring to each other. What's the feeling about the direction with Kevin Durant in the fold moving forward? Well, I think this, we all felt very good with Kevin Durant, one of the best in the game, one of the best ever in the game. I, I think I'll give it to you in order. Um, I, I, was, I think a lot of folks really liked Nick Nurse uh, to be the head coach. And then after that, it was pretty much Doc Rivers and then Frank Vogel. Uh, never really a heavy consensus with Kevin Young because I think we all want a guy that's been there and done that and has won championships. Yeah. Um, that's number one. Number two, okay, we got Durant, you got Devin Booker. The next elephant in the room is what do you do with DeAndre Ayton? Yeah. What's, what's going to happen with him? I think we've all seen enough of the ups and the downs. I think he kind of is what he is. And it's up to the Suns to decide, do we go trade him and go get some guys that, that, are, that are there, their hearts in the games 24-7, 365, or do we keep them? And can Frank Vogel get more out of him on a consistent basis? Now, that being said, there's, uh, there's, there's CP3, you know, Chris Paul. What's going to happen to him? He always fades like tissue paper in a rainstorm in the playoffs. Can't count on that. Good season guy. So what are they going to do to back him up? Is it still campaign? Do you move him? Do you move De De uh, DeAndre Ayton? And then they got to go get more scorers. Glenn, they got to get more shooters. The NBA is a three-point league. Yep. Um, those last couple games Ugh. against Denver, it was basically, awesome. it was, you know, with D Hop with uh, DeAndre eight eight now again, it was two on five, two on six against the Nuggets. Yep. They didn't have the bench, didn't have the scores, and you can't rely on um, KD and the uh, D book uh, with Booker to give you 65, 70 points combined on a game by game basis. You need you need DeAndre eight to step it up. If he, if he can. So those are kind of the, the question marks. Now that you got Vogel, where do we go from here? But we all know, Suns fans, that you're chasing the Denver Nuggets. And you better go get the guys that can chase them, or we're going to be perennial playoff contenders, much like we were there for many, many years, and could never get over the hump. Yeah, 
It's I, it, unfortunately, it's been basically the story of the Suns' history. That's just the way that it goes. But hopefully, that will change. At QB Minuch on Twitter is how you follow him, uh, brother. I, I don't know what to say. I love you, man. Uh, please give Rock and everybody out there my best. I, I say it all the time. This place is my home, but those years I spent out there meant a lot to me. And uh, truly, uh, it, it makes me happy that you guys are still kicking ass all these years later and uh, doing great things. Appreciate you spending a couple minutes with us this morning, my friends. Hey, Glenn, always a pleasure. It'll be 19 years that Rock and I have been going strong on uh, doesn't happen Rock, in and, uh, Rock and Minuch and Jimmy B going strong. And by the way, Man, you had to go and grow up and get married and have kids. Hey, I mean, what, what were we going to do without my, you? But I think we're kind of sort of surviving, but it's been tough without you, Glenn. I miss Always you guys. love talking to you, my Appreciate brother. Appreciate you, brother. Dan Minucci. Uh, Minucci, they call him. And yeah, that's a pairing. Those two guys have been together. Nine, that doesn't happen in this business. It just doesn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, when I was out in Phoenix for a couple years, in uh, 06 to 08, I worked with those guys. And... Um, Manuch is he's great he's great he's corny he's very corny but he's a great dude and yeah like ask Brock Purdy what uh, Dan Manucci means to him and you'll find out very quickly how important he is in that area hey a couple of things that I, I saw percolating this morning that I wanted to touch on if I could one uh, I know here's a guy I do take shots at I don't like putting over is uh, that uh, John Rothstein not someone right. who yes, does anything I, for me but he actually offers something of substance this morning, which oh, is very unlike him. No, it's very unlike him. Well, Apparently, I uh, was having a chat with Ed Cooley from Georgetown. Says, Ed Cooley tells me that he and Kevin Willard have had talks on a home and home series between Georgetown and Maryland. Cooley on the series. Quote, I don't know if it will happen next season, but it's something we want to get done. I think it would be a great thing for the district, unquote. Now, look, up here... We don't really give a rat's ass. And that's the difficult part about this is that, like, Maryland does kind of have to serve a bunch of different masters. I mentioned that they needed to replace Tavon Sadler with a, um, a, a Baltimore guy. They needed to have a specific Baltimore guy on their coaching staff. And Tavon Sadler agreed, right? Like, Tavon Sadler, when he's on with us, is like, I don't really want to tell him how to do their job, but I think my replacement should be someone from Baltimore. Well, check. They hired Ricky Harris. They understood the significance. Who Ricky Harris, who was a standout player at UMass, a Baltimore native, went played at Calvert Hall. They filled the role with a Baltimore guy because they get it. Like Baltimore's got to be. We have to respect this, especially with the number of significant Baltimore recruits, uh, the Daquan Davises, the Derek Queens of the world, uh, that are they're coming up on. So the DC thing you know, is a significant factor too. They want to be landing the top DC kids and playing a big, massive, huge crowd, likely sold out game against Georgetown every year, whether it's in college park or at the, what do they call that building now? The capital one arena. Is that what it's called? In, uh, yeah. Yeah. Capital, capital one. In, in one. DC. Yeah. Yes. That's what it's called. Yes. Whether if it's home and home, unlike Villanova who got scared that their arena was going to be loaded with Maryland fans and said, why don't we put it in the tiny gym on campus? You would assume that if Maryland were to be agreeing to something like this, they would not be agreeing to go play Georgetown at McDonough Gymnasium. I don't think that would be part of the agreement. I mean, what That'd be a, pretty cool. Look, Villanova has the right to do whatever they want, and you could say from basketball standpoint, smart move, right? Recognize the alumni base at Maryland kind of covers everything from D.C. to New York, 
And Philadelphia is an easy place for everyone from D.C. to New York to travel to. So if you play that game in the big gym, you're probably going to get a boatload of Maryland fans traveling. By putting it in the small gym, you make it far more difficult. Not impossible. And I actually think it would be cool. Uh, Ken Wyman and I were talking about maybe going up and hitting oh. up John Jarrow's pork Ooh. while we were there. Like, I would like to go, but the tickets are now going to be much more expensive in the small gym on campus. Where do they normally play? They play at, in the Sixers arena. Oh, at a... But they split. Like, they play their, their their lesser games on campus. Gotcha. And I don't even remember the name of the gym that Villanova has on campus. Um, and then they play the big games at... Yeah, is it still Wells Fargo? Is that what that... Yes, that's yeah. where the Sixers play, yeah. So. It, they, they play their bigger games there. So you would think a game against Maryland, a you know a, a somewhat marquee opponent, would be a game that you would want to play in the big building. Mm-hmm. They are, they they are decide now they play I think a few more like Georgetown plays very very few games at McDonough. Villanova plays a couple more games in their. Like, I don't know why I care this much, but sure. What the, uh, the pavilion is what Villanova. Does it is have there, like a brand of some uh, sort? No, it's, it's just, just the Finneran Pavilion. So, so that's where they're yes. going to play. Maryland and Villanova are playing in the Gavit games next season, and that's where they're going to play. But just for the fun of it, last year uh, they played LaSalle in the Pavilion. They played Delaware State in the Pavilion. They played Penn in the Pavilion. And, but then Oklahoma, big non-conference opponent, they played that game at the arena. Mm. So here. And they play most of their uh, conference games in the pavilion? I'm, I'm trying to get there. Okay. Uh, St. John's, they played in the pavilion. They played more games in the pavilion. Maybe I'm going to end up looking like an a-hole here because they definitely played more games in the pavilion last year. than. Oh, you know, but that was also the first year for Neptune, right? So it might be that they were trying to kind of recalibrate expectations. Mm, that's right, yeah. By, and they, Jay Wright, right. they'd probably use because Xavier they played. They played in the big arena. They played uh, Providence. For some reason, was well, a big Providence arena game. Good. Seton Hall was a big arena game. Creighton was a big arena game. Connecticut was a big arena game, hmm. and then the rest of them they played on campus. So they definitely played far more games in the Pavilion last year. But my guess is that it was having to do with it being a first-year head coach and trying to kind of bring expectations to reality a little bit, and not wanting to put it. And they also weren't like a preseason top ten team, right? the way that they had been for much of the Jay Wright era. So I think last year was a re-expert. They would say that's the reason. Like, But they played Oklahoma last year. Oklahoma in the big building. Come on, dude. <laughs> like, You're playing Maryland in the little building because you don't want there to be a boatload of Mar- Maryland fans there. All good. I'm not even – like, I'm not really mad about it. It's somewhat brilliant. Now, I don't know for an athletic department what the trade-off is. Like, here's the additional money we could have made if we had sold more tickets to Maryland fans versus, you know, I, I, I don't yeah, know. Not getting what, embarrassed, I guess, is the... Whatever. That, what I have the, no idea what what's more valuable. Right. Um, but look, I, for, for, the, for the, the D.C. kids that Maryland will be going after and for trying to build up, the other tricky part, and I talk about this all the time, one of the things that Maryland has struggled with is that just because you're called Mar- whenever somebody goofy would say, "Oh, they might as well call it the University of DC. It's in College Park." Well, what you're you miss what you're missing is that the shirt says Maryland, and that's the state that I live in, and that's where my taxes go, and that flag that they wave around all the time is the flag that I'm in love with, and the moment that they called themselves the University of DC, I, there is a University of DC by the way, so it's not available. Um, I would have zero interest or concern in them. The commanders play in the state of Maryland. 
but they call themselves the Washington Commanders. If the Capitals moved back to Landover, but still can call themselves the Washington Capitals, I would continue to have no association or connection with it. I have no... Washington doesn't mean anything to me. But Maryland does. And it's tricky. Because you're not that far away from the district. Fairfax. Places like Mm -hmm. that. But if you're someone who grew up in Northern Virginia, what is your connection to Maryland? They can market Northern Virginia all they want, but what is the connection for a kid growing up in Northern Virginia with the University of Maryland? Again, might be that there's a heck of a baller there, so it's always going to be a tougher thing, and there's always going to be a fight to try to get D.C. and Virginia people to give a rat's ass about Maryland because it's a school in another state, and they don't care about the flag, and their tax money doesn't go there and things like that. Whereas those of us that live in Baltimore County or Carroll County or Harford County, despite being further away from College Park, it's the University of Maryland. It's just not that hard to figure out. So they have a more difficult battle kind of to get interest in places like that. So I get why this would be a valuable thing for them. In the next print issue of Pressbox, I'm going to make a suggestion for a game that I think that Maryland should attempt to schedule this year in Baltimore. I think there's a very unique opportunity for them to do something in Baltimore this year that would provide perhaps a really cool moment for, I don't know, a recently retired basketball superstar and be the first basketball game. Not the first because they played the CIAA tournament, but the arena wasn't finished at that point. But to be the first like real basketball game in the new building, I think there's a huge opportunity sitting out there to do something really special, but it requires some hard work late in the process and two different shoe companies maybe being willing to work together on something like this. So just an idea. You can read more about it in the next print issue of Pressbox, an idea that I have. We'll come back in. Uh, Jeremy Kahn, we'll talk more about the NBA Finals with him as well as uh, we never talked about the finale of Barry. we got a lot of important things to cover with Jeremy Kahn next here on 105.7 The Fan. No, we're not on 105. He's from 105.7 The Fan. We're Glenn Clark Radio. The All-America Senior Game powered by New Balance will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. The Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley bomb, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. 
Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get, so get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. That first sip. That first bite. Mmm. Starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? All right, back in here on GCR. Today's show is also brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour. Special time tonight. Stan, Ross, and Luke are getting together at 4 o'clock, apparently, today. Not the normal time, 6 o'clock, 4 o'clock. Um, so you want to make sure you check that out. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. If you miss it live, you can see it tomorrow. YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, Luke Jackson. Again, coming up a little bit later on today. Um, bummer, obviously, for Maryland baseball as everything kind of went to hell uh, starting on Saturday. They had to wait something like five hours through rain delays, played at 11 o'clock at night on Saturday night and got pounded by Wake Forest and then had to quickly turn around after playing until like 2 in the morning and play yesterday afternoon, and they ultimately were knocked out of the NCAA tournament by George Mason. So just a bummer of the way that the season ended for Maryland. Another very good season, but I know that program so desperately wants to take a next step a lot was made about you know how unfair it was they were put in the region with the top overall seed in the tournament. That's fair. That it was unfair for them to have to play so late at night on Saturday and then turn around and play so quickly again on Sunday. But that's the way it works, man. Like you, you gotta, you, you can't give up. What was it? Thirty-two runs yeah. over the span of two games. No matter who you're playing and when you're playing them, you, you're never. You just can't. That can't happen. Uh, such is life. So Maryland, unfortunately, out. Uh, Johns Hopkins, by the way, is in the D3 baseball semifinals. I think they're playing right now in the Mm -hmm. D3 baseball semifinals. So that's a neat local story that continues. Jeremy Kahn back with us here on a Monday edition of GCR from the Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan. ConcreteLocks.com, C-O-N-N, ConcreteLocks.com. And, of course, picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. What's going on, buddy? How are you? What's up, man? It's been a a while since we were off last week. It's been a while. Since I could yeah. say, um, it's funny. I was just listening to some stained on the way home. Why? Like it popped up on why? Uh, my musical. Huh? Why? Why would you do? You that? don't like Aaron Lewis? I like stained. I did. I have to admit that, like, I did have a moment in my life. But now I hear it and I say to myself, "What? What was? What was going on with me at the time?" That's like, what, what I. Well, that's what I say to me whenever I hear Limp Biscuit come on. Oh, so, dude. Uh, I so I think I, I don't know if I told you this, but last summer Limp Biscuit played at UMBC. And one of my buddies was involved in booking that show, 
And he and another friend of mine, a, a female, a, 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 he and this girl that we're friends with, both started hitting me up like, "Hey, we're going to Limp Biscuit, right?" And I was like, <laughs> "No." They were they were so flabbergasted by they. They're like, "Dude, you went and saw the Backstreet Boys." I'm like, "Right," because I I'm not embarrassed by the fact that I like the Backstreet Boys. Their songs <laughs> are great. I'm very embarrassed by the fact that I own a Limp Bizkit t-shirt. Like, I'm extraordinarily embarrassed by having to go see that. Like, I, I listen to the songs now, and I say, what the hell was that? And they're like, no, man, yeah, it's but- nostalgia. And I said, no, this is not a good, this is a, I want this part of my life to be burnt and never dealt with again. It's funny. I had a buddy that had a band, and he was writing lyrics for songs. And tell me what you think. And I was like, these are the most generic lyrics I've ever heard in my life. They're they're terrible and there's no way you could make it. And then, and then when when I heard Limp Biscuits, uh, you know, was it Cookie or what the hell Nookie, oh, whatever the hell name of the, the song nookie, was for the Nookie, so you could so get you that could take that cookie, cookie and stick it up your ass. Like, oh like have you God. have you just honestly listened to their lyrics and gone, oh. what is this? Oh. <laughs> it's it's crazy. God. Oh. God. Uh, that being said, that song that they did with Corn, where uh, he and Jonathan Davis were just talking about how they were going to have gay sex with each other for hours, um, <laughs> that's beautiful. I heard that in church actually recently. It was a, it's nice. It's a beautiful song. Uh, um, hey, before we get into uh, basketball, uh, what do you think of the Barry finale? Um, okay, so I, I like things that are different. I like dark, um, but I don't. It just I felt like it was a totally different season that I watched in that last season. Like, I was still unsure while watching it, like, was that real or was this, like, some sort like of flash dream right forward now. in a dream scenario? And then when I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, that's it, huh? <laughs> so, like, I was okay with it because it was different, and I do like different, but I, I get all the the brushback from some fans not liking it. I did not think it was a good season. I I, I mean, I'm just never, I'll never shake on that. Like, I think it was a, a bad season of television for a really, really good show. I did appreciate in the last couple of weeks that at least we got some of those moments, like you and I joked about the moment with the heads. Like we got a little mm-hmm. bit more NoHo Hank back in our lives, and NoHo Hank made the show, so I was appreciative of that. And then the scene, all right, spoiler alert: you've had a week to watch the show. If you haven't, you know, get the hell out. We're going to spend three minutes dealing with a spoiler here. Three minutes, then come back to us. The scene in the finale when Kusino shoots him. And like the, the the reaction that he had as he realized he was about to get shot, where he was like, "Oh wow!" Like that was yeah. <laughs> that was wonderful. That was like that was yeah. vintage Bill Hader. Like I love that moment. But other than that, eh, it was a rough season. Well, the the scene that got me upset is when, um, and not not even from the last episode, from previously, since we're still doing somewhat spoilers, is yeah. when his girlfriend goes off with that other guy. I'm like, or, you know, I don't know what she was at that point, wife or uh, a significant other. But when, when she goes off with the other guy and I'm like, what the hell's yeah, going on? Like what, this whole thing, it just made me feel weird. I don't know. Like I didn't yeah, like it. I'm like, this is awful. Yeah. I, up, Barry? I didn't care. Actually the shootout scene in the finale was pretty good too. <laughs> like, that was, I, that was decent. Yes. It, it was uh, really good. I think one of my favorite scenes in the last season was when they were down on that hill and they were trying to shoot the bazooka and they miss and then they just keep getting fired at and it's so oh, oh, just running. That was, yeah, you know what's I, funny? I loved, you know what's I funny? When I told you there was a scene that you were going to love, it actually wasn't the scene with the heads, although the heads, it was that scene. 
that yeah. that was the scene that I was referring to. It was it was. But I loved both. Perfect. So like, yes, they know, were both really good. It was good, good though. There were no doubt. Uh, were, I, I can't remember. Did did you ever catch up on Ted Lasso? Yeah, I'm all caught. Okay, on. so you watched the finale. Yeah, you... I was I was never really behind on that show except for one week because I started okay. watching it with my wife. Okay, and all, I right. Wait. all right, that's what it was. So, are you desirous of the spinoff next year, like that we all assume they're doing, or would you be good laying it to rest at this point? I'm fine either way. Um, it's it's weird. Like when you get older, you start to realize that, like the 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 always wanting more thing, like it can get worn out or wear out its welcome. You know what I mean? Like like the the series and the the sequels to things tend to get watered down or ridiculous. Um, like if you go back and watch the first Fast and the Furious movie, like it made sense. It was something. Then they make the second one, and you're like, okay, I get it. Then all of a sudden it's Tokyo. It's not the same people. It's like, wait a minute, are we watching Halloween now? What are they doing with the third one? Like, I don't get what's going on. And then it just became stupid. Um, and I, that's what worries me about some of these shows. Like the longer, like when we're talking about Barry, they didn't know how long they were going to go with the show. And then the last season gets weird. I, um, you know, Breaking Bad finished the way it should. The Wire finished great. Like some of these shows that like really did it were shorter shows. So I'm wondering if three seasons is perfect and four would ruin it. You know what I mean? Like, but I'm fine with the spinoff and I'll definitely watch that because I'm, I'm just and into that's, the character. It's the exactly what I said. Like, I don't need it. And I don't even know that I would tell you that I want it as much as obviously I'll watch it. And I do think there is enough meat on the bone that they can do something with it. I was it's a, Thursday night football, right? I mean, that's, you, I mean, that's boy, what that's it a is. Great like, comparison, yeah. man. It's exactly what it is. Like, yeah, I, we all know what's wrong with it, but you're goddamn right. We're going to watch every week. <laughs> like That's mm-hmm. the way it's going to go. That is a really good comparison. Dude, I was having so much fun on Twitter last night dunking on Adam Silver. I, I have heard <laughs> a lot of like dumb ideas in my life, but I don't know that I've ever heard an idea that no one wanted, that no one understands, that there is absolutely no world. Like, I remember not liking the idea about extra innings. Like, I was like, dude, this this is a goofy idea. And then very quickly turning on it. There is no one on the planet that has been able to come up with any justification. The, the network the NBA owns can't justify this dumb in-season tournament thing. It's hilarious how much he is committed to this stupid, stupid idea that no one wants, no one has asked for, no one likes, and no one thinks is a good idea. And and he just keeps saying, like, well, you know, uh, you, this is like European soccer, and it's nothing like European soccer <laughs> at all. Well, I, I guess here, here's where I'm torn on this, because Adam Silver was the one um, – the one guy that I would talk about and say that I, I respect as a commissioner of a sport. Now, yes, I'm not pushed, a big hockey guy. Right. But right. go ahead. No, he's pushed a lot of correct buttons. I won't disagree with you on that. It's... Yeah. Well, because, look, it's very easy to hate Roger Goodell because I think he's phony and whatever. Um, I don't think people – it's weird to hear Manfred now getting some credit where I'm, I'm – and maybe I'm bashing him here a little bit too much, but um, where I think somebody else came up with all these ideas and they're running with it, and then people are like, hey, you got to give Rob Manfred some credit. Maybe I should give him some credit for a few of the things that have turned around baseball, but he's still an idiot and, and doesn't deserve that job. But Adam Silver's a guy's like, I think he does the best job. I think this, like, I really think they fumbled the stuff with China this past year. And I, I get it because you're making so much money over there. Right. 
this in-season tournament thing. I don't like, why don't we invest in trying to figure out how to fix like the slam dunk contest and uh, the three point shootout or something, make you come up with something a little bit more creative for all-star weekend. I don't think we need a tournament in the middle of the season. It blows my mind that they say, well, the problem that they're trying to address a problem that regular season basketball stinks and nobody wants more regular. And they said, well, how about we fix it by giving you more? Like, that's their solution, is more regular. How embarrassing is it going to be for the team that has to win this dumb thing next year? And the NBA is going to force them to, like, hang a banner and sell T-shirts because they're trying to put this thing over, and the Internet is going to mock them relentlessly over celebrating this thing that is nonsense, that everyone else is going to say, yeah, we're really good with our players not playing more games in the regular season. We we would drastically prefer that we don't have more games being spent by these guys. We don't want our team to win this tournament because it would require them to play more games. I want to save this because if if you're praising the Ravens for hanging up the banners for the best preseasons ever, oh. once that finally happens, oh. then we're coming back to this audio. God, because it's damn the same it. thing. It's exactly I mean, it's, it's, they're meaningless games, but other utterly, completely meaningless. And again, I, like the, the Ravens, at least I can say it's not a detriment that they. I don't think it is. Like I don't think that they've gotten anybody hurt in pursuit of winning a game. Although John Harbaugh's just nuts enough that maybe ultimately we'll find out that somebody did get hurt in pursuit of winning a game in the preseason. Like you're going well, to have to, in order to win this stupid thing, you're going to have to play your players. It's immediately detrimental in that way. Immediately, if you're playing any actual players in this in-season tournament, it is hurting your chances of winning the thing that actually matters at the end of the year. Well, the two things that are inevitable: somebody's going to get hurt playing in this, and somebody's yep. going to be pissed off. Fan base is going to be upset. And the other thing is when players start sitting out during this. So they can rest up for the Correct. regular season, which they care about. Then They're already the sitting in games that mean something. So why wouldn't they sit in games that don't mean anything? So I, I, it's it's inevitable. It's going to happen. It's funny you brought up the um, fixing the slam dunk contest because somebody would always say, "Is there an amount of money that can get the real guys back into it?" I just don't know because these guys are so effing wealthy that like I, I just don't know that there's an amount of money that can get them back into it. But I'll say the same I mean, thing. You're probably right. I've long said that the most compelling thing the NBA is not doing that they could do is a one-on-one televised event. That they mm-hmm. somehow convince, like, that this dumb, you know, who's better, so-and-so or so-and-so, that they actually project that into a made-for-TV one-on-one event. They attempted to do the dumb horse thing a couple years ago that just didn't work, but an actual one-on-one basketball competition between... Kevin Durant and LeBron James would do gangbusters. Everyone would watch that. We would be so ungodly compelled. And but my only thing, I, I agree with hundred percent what you're saying. My only thing is, I don't know. We have enough guys like Kobe that would. Kobe would love. To of do course, that, just Co- to just Kobe expose would expose everyone. Yep. I, I don't know how many guys we have in the league so, that would so want to do that. That was know? literally my, my question for you because it's twofold. One. Could you get enough money to make them do it? But the, the flip side is the argument would be, well, they're already wealthy. They don't need it. But do they care? Would that be individually enough of something that they would they would feel as a bragging rights thing that they would want to do it? And that literally was the question that I was going to ask you, because I feel like it's the it's the thing. It's the thing out there that would be compelling, that everyone would want to watch and maybe could compel guys to be involved. But it sounds like you're skeptical that guys would be compelled to be involved. 
Well, I, I mean, I, I guess depending on how much money you you, uh, you offer them, because I feel like a lot of guys, I don't, I just feel like players today don't look at it the way that I would have looked at, like. You know, guys that skip the combine, I'm like, no, I want to go to the combine and I want to compete and I want to show I'm better than them. The thought process is, even if all those things can be true and you should be better than those guys, you run more of a risk of something going awry, uh, you know, a misstep in the 40 or you drop a pass that you never drop, or so, you know, something happening that, that hurts your stock or somebody asks you some stupid question and you're like, why would you ask me something dumb like that? And it goes viral and then all of a sudden, you know, like, I feel like you have more to lose if you're an NBA player from the street cred thing. Like guys already make business decisions when, when players are going up for dunks or, you know, I think you could set up something. Maybe they'd be more apt to doing a two on two. Cause it's not just individual stuff. IE like, like white man can't jump or a three on three, yeah. like hoop it up. used to have. I think, I think some of that stuff is interesting to a degree to put in an NBA all-star game, but um, I'm just wondering. I think the egos are too much to make that work. And I, I hear I, for me, like I, I, you tell me they're doing a three on three tournament. I'm going to say, yeah, I don't care. I just, don't, I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't. You know, I, it would have to be like three players all from the same team, and you would have to just care about your team and rooting for them. And I don't know that the players. I thought it'd be great just to put a bunch of players in there and then basically but, draw the names out but, of a hat. But that's why. I, I guess my question would be, why would I specifically care about rooting for any individual pairing of three guys? Like, if you care about the other side of it, like if you care, if you could bet it, like I could see where they're like, oh, this is an interesting matchup. Mm -hmm. But like for an average fan, why would I be invested in saying like, hey, here, let's find out how Trey Young, Kyle Kuzma, and, you know, Kevin Looney, Kevon Looney work together, right? Like, yeah, I, no, I get that. And, and again, I'm a, I'm a P1 when it comes to the NBA, meaning I'm going to watch everything. Right. And all the things we just mentioned interest me. I just don't know that any of them work to try to draw in other fans. And this tournament thing, I, I do oh, think it's silly. Just so I'll watch because, you know, I'm that guy. But I mean, um, like, they, okay, so the, the one thing I would say, it, like, if we're at the point where they have to do it, like, he can't bail on it now because he's been too committed to it, then they need to do something spectacular, like play the actual tournament part on a, a battleship or something like that. Like, when they say we need to take yeah. it to a – it's got to be something that entices people to watch – beyond the basketball because the basketball is a problem so you got to do play the games on a ship play them outdoors play them something gimmicky something wildly different and i would have like encouraged more i think the spurs played a game in the dome this year right i, I would encourage mm -hmm. that if the nba is recognizing that they have a regular season problem that they should be thinking about it like what the nhl has done to recognize they had a regular season problem and even when the Winter Classic kind of got a little stale and it wasn't just, hey, we'll watch, they were like, well, now we'll take games and play them. They played one on like Lake, in Lake Tahoe, and let's go play a game at Army and a game at Navy and a game at Air Force and just things that you can do to try to make that game feel a little bit different, break up the monotony of the regular season. I think the NBA, if that's what they're dealing with, the smarter play would be, well, let's think about if it's possible for us to play an outdoor game somewhere. Like, I get that it's tricky because weather is real and, you know, wind can screw up a basketball game the way it won't screw up a hockey. Like, I understand it's not perfect, but thinking about the possibility seems way smarter than here's more crap regular season basketball that no one wants and is going to uh, hurt your team and pretending like there's some fake championship to be had. Like, just, yeah, it just sounds like to me, it's like, hey, let's put more games out there so we can make more money because they will make money on those games. Um, but 
I don't think this is something for the fans that's going to bring them in. I just don't think the players would care. Like, would they care more if you set it up? And I know this is stupid too, but I'm just sitting here brainstorming on the spot. Like, what if they set it up as two short seasons and you had a a playoff and then if two different teams win, then they play each other for the champion. You know what I mean? Like, like this thing, this thing doesn't even seem like it it makes sense to me. And and the goofy part about it is like the comparison to European soccer. In European soccer, you have different, competitions that you're in throughout the year with different opponents so like you have certain Mm -hmm. opponents that you play in the premier league and then if you're in the champions league you play those opponents in the champions league and then the different opponents in the fa cup or whatever it is that you're going for but the fa cup game doesn't count towards your champions league standings or doesn't count towards your it's nothing like you're just saying hey this regular season game counts to this dumb thing and this one doesn't well why not because reasons like there's yeah. nothing there. There's nothing unique or different about it other than you're going to go to the schedule and they're going to say, oh, by the way, this one also counts for some other dumb thing that you don't care about. Like, it, oh, it's atrocious. All right, I, I'm sorry. I know, this wasn't really yeah. worth spending 10 minutes on, but I could not believe no, but, like, but it. No, Barkley, like, it's, Barkley, it's that just doesn't make sense. Barkley dunking on Adam Silver in, like, in a professional way, in a way that he's not going to get fired for it, like in the best way that you could, given the fact that you were on NBA TV, Barkley dunking on this last night was wonderful to me. Like him speaking on behalf of everybody who says, yeah, this ain't it, dog. <laughs> like, I don't, whatever you think this is, it ain't. You can keep trying to sell it. It There's nothing here. I love that, man. All right. Um, speaking of which, obviously what happened last night is shocking. I mean, I'm stunned. Mm-hmm by Miami rallying from down 15 and winning on the road in Denver. I don't know that it makes me feel drastically different about the series. Like, I just still think that Denver ultimately is better and is going to prove to be better. But am I am I continuing to undersell Miami at my own detriment? Um, no, I don't think so. Because, like, look, this does give them a little bit more confidence. I already think they're a confident team regardless. But it gives them a little bit more confidence in the series to see yourself win one on the road. And now it does set up well at home. The Nuggets are two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road um, in Miami, and I'll probably be on the Nuggets come Wednesday. It's so stupid that we have this many days off in between uh-huh. games. But um, the, the one thing I'll say, though, when they look back at it, the, the Heat had the most efficient fourth quarter in the NBA this, this season in that game. So you take all the regular season games, all the teams that played, all the playoff games, that was the most efficient fourth quarter all season long. So – they needed that to win that game, and uh, the run that they went on to start the fourth really helped out, and then, of course, obviously the, way, the rest of the way they played. But um, I'm stunned sometimes watching the Nuggets because, like, you, like, they were behind, and then you blinked, and then they were up 12. Right. Like, they score so easily, um, even against a good defensive team. And um, last night I was all over Jokic talking about his prop bets and betting his over points total. I said I thought this was the 40-point game for him, so I, I kind of got that right, but uh, with the Heat's fourth quarter, I got the game wrong. I, I do think on paper and everything considered, even on the court, this is a total mismatch for the Heat. We'll have to see what they look like if Tyler Hero is coming back in game three and if he has anything, you know, is, is his wind up? How does he look? I mean, it's a terrible time to try to just jump back in the game and play in the championship. I, I You know what's funny is at the same time, when they were down 12 late and started knocking down some threes, I, I thought they were going to win. I really did. I genuinely believe that even when they were down late, I'm like, I, mm-hmm. I, I just think that they'll wake up and they'll shake out of it. I, I do think that like the, the story from the Miami standpoint, you take nothing away from Duncan Robinson, who was great last night, or Bam was excellent last night. 
Um, and the irony being they win a game in the fourth quarter, and it's not even really a Jimmy Butler story. But I think that the league is starting to understand the greatness of Eric Spolstra. And I, I mentioned it earlier in the show, one of my favorite things is revisiting uh, George Sedano, who now gets to dunk all over that dummy Dan Dockich. Um, from a mm-hmm. few years ago when Sedano was talking about Spolster being a top-five coach and Dan Dockage is like, oh, he's not even as good as Brad Stevens. Hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, but, like, I-, I do think that most of us were were kind of dismissive of Spolster. Like, he was just along for the ride when he won the first two titles with LeBron James. And now, in recent years, I think we're starting to see that outside of Greg Popovich, he might legitimately be the best coach in all of basketball. It's interesting. I, I, I mean, I never even thought about that, and I was—I'll be the first one to say—I was very dismissive. I think I think every, um, I think everybody on the planet was dismissive. I think we yeah, all said Pat, I was dismissive Pat Riley, Miami. Pat Riley built a team, and yep. yeah, and and they just had really good players. And frankly, they probably should have won four titles. It was a failure that they only won those two titles in the four years they were all together. Well, and I think part of it for me too is I'm a Mavs fan, and I remember that series. Uh, when they came out and I'm going, you can't, you have the big three and you can't beat Dirk and the rest of these cats, like right. uh, the jet and, and Sean Marion, you got the matrix that like JJ. Yeah. I mean, these, and, and Dirk had one of the, the all time runs. So um, I, I just, I, I don't know, man, like Spolster deserves way more credit than he's given. Uh, when you look at what the heat have done the past couple of years, I do think he's a good coach. I was telling um, the guys today, Eric Spolster was actually on the court when Hank Gathers died because he played for Portland State and his dad was the coach there. Uh, and the fact that you, so he's played basketball, he played at a high level, he knows the game. Uh, he started off as a videographer and worked his way up. And who was the former Nets coach that also was like that? Frank Lawrence something. Frank, uh, right? Lawrence Frank, there yeah. it is. Yeah, Lawrence Frank kind of did, had the same route that he took, but, but I really think Spolster does a phenomenal job. And to me, it was never about like the coaching stuff. To me, it was just more about the personnel on the floor and how they match up. Um, but what he's done there, and maybe people want to give Butler too much credit, but what he's done there with all these undrafted free agents and guys that nobody wanted, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty remarkable. I think it's incredible. I think it's just really a statement about that we, didn't, we did not give this guy enough credit, and he's a damn, damn good coach. Um, before I let you go, look, yesterday was nice, but the Orioles have scored three runs or fewer in seven of their last ten games. Um, where are you between like concerned or this is just baseball? That's the way that it goes. That everything's fine. Well, I mean, like the Aaron Hicks stuff. You pick up a guy it's that hilarious. looked got off in New so York, funny. and now he's hitting four thirty or whatever it is, four forty five, um, in his first opportunities here. But uh, yeah, I, I think at some point they ultimately end up missing Cedric Mullins, and it hasn't quite looked that way. I thought they would lose two out of three in San Francisco, so they surprised me with taking two out of three, but. Again, I think sometimes we just – you look at the pitching and we know it's good and the numbers say it's good and you're kind of waiting for the worm to turn and go, all right, are these guys really going to be able to do what they've done all year? Um, but at some point you're hoping that the trades come in, that they're going to make some moves to better the team in certain areas. But offensively, they have been a little wanting. Um, but i, I got to say it's still impressive to see them win two out of three on the West Coast. What should they do specifically about Westberg and Kowser at this point? Who I, I, like, I just feel like we are, we are reaching the – there's just no way these dudes should still be a triple-A point. Yeah, I, I mean, you've looked at their numbers, right? I don't need it's, to – It's bonkers. We went over I mean, this this morning. Jordan it's, Westberg has 15 home runs, and we don't even think of him as, like, a power guy. That's not – No. Like, it's insane. He's got 15 home runs at AAA. You go look at Kowser's numbers. He's got an OPS of a 
over a thousand thousand point zero seven five or something like i mean come on what they're like they've already and it's it's enough of a sample size too where you can say yeah i think they're good uh they're ready and it's just a matter of when do they want to do it because you know i i sat here i was i was a part of that whole i'm not a big fan of jorge mateo like i I do like i like the player but i think they can upgrade there and they didn't this year and then i was getting my brains beaten in that first month when he looked like a superstar and now he's looked like this, and this is my problem with him. It's not the good or the bad. It's the inconsistency. Like, be bad all the time. Be good all the time. Like, it's it's such a roller coaster with him that, you know, can you juggle that infield and move some guys around and be better with him out of the lineup? I mean, that's something they're going to have to look at if this continues. But but those those guys in the minors, Westberg and, and Kowser, are ready. Yeah, that's where I, it's it's a t- tricky thing, man. I am, I'm in a tough spot with Mateo, too, dude, because, like, I get the defense matters. And the weird part is, I think if they moved away from Mateo, it wouldn't even be for Westberg. I think they would be moving away for Ortiz. Like I, I, the more you talk to people about the importance of his defense, the mm-hmm. more I settle on they're not going to move away from Mateo unless it's because they are convinced that they can get the exact same level of defense from Ortiz, who has impressed me overwhelmingly every time I've seen him play. And they're just trying to take a you know a shot on the chance that maybe that he's got a little bit more of offensive life or consistency than Mateo does. So I that's the, yeah. like you would, the easy part would be to say all right put Westberg in and have him play shortstop and move on from Mateo. I don't think there's a chance in hell they do it because I just think they believe the defense is too valuable that if it's not Mateo it has to be Ortiz. Well, and and you know if, if that's the case too, because I think we as fans a lot of times don't take the defense into consideration. Yeah. And Mateo's a good defender, but like people try to make him out to be a great defender, and and I get it looking at the numbers, but there sometimes on the routine plays I question, um, you know, like there's a bobble here, a bad throw there, and and I know like we can look at a lot of different guys that it happens to, but but this is a team that's they're ready now. They they had I mean you have one of the smallest payrolls in baseball, yep. and you've got one of the best records, so. Um, and as people have pointed out to me in, in Astro Ball, this was kind of the year that they made the big move for Verlander. Are we going to do it? Like, I still think I, – I, I mean, I try to find a guy that I think the Ravens are going to make a move for every year, and, and the guy that I'm looking at is Marcus Stroman. Um, I just feel like he's the perfect fit for this team. But um, will they make that – like, that's not a big splash. Will they make a giant cannonball leap into the pool to go get a Shane, upper echelon a Shane Bieber player? type, yeah. Yeah, like that boy. I, you know, when 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 Bieber's name started popping up last week, I'm like, well, he's under control for another year. Like, ah. he feels a lot older than he is too. Right? I mean, he's already a pitcher that's had to reinvent himself. And I and I get it. He hasn't been great this season, but like, even his not great, I would I would happily take. And mm-hmm. you'd be doing it thinking that there's another layer. I guess with Stroman, I'd have to know because he's it's a player option for next year. I think that he would. I don't know. Yeah. I like I, if he's gonna opt out, then I don't think you. I still don't think you can do a rental. I'm really struggling with that, Jeremy. Like I don't think you can put everything behind the idea of trying to win a World Series this year. I think it's got to be. Somebody. Oh no, but I don't. I don't mind a rental when you're give. Like it, it all depends on what you're giving up. The the like right. I just think Strowman's their type of guy. The ground ball. Yeah, I get that. Contact. You know, like and the makeup. Like I, I actually called the. I called Jordan Lyles here. Um, and I actually called the Kyle Gibson thing last year too, but I, it, it's kind of funny because I just feel like that's their type of guy. And, and I don't know that you'd have to give up a ton to get a potential rental from Chicago. And by the way, both Chicago teams might be sellers. The, the White Sox are another interesting team, no depending question. on what Gilly they're willing to, to give up. And Cease, no doubt. 
All right, uh, give me the rundown for both the show and the websites. Yeah, we're all here this week, um, so it should be fun. I'll, I'll continue doing the podcast and having stuff up on the website. So uh, definitely, if you get a chance, check it out. Tell me what you think. Um, but it should be fun this week. And, and, you know, like looking forward, we're getting closer and closer to, to football. And um, it does feel weird when you start to see those numbers. You see the football, like the jerseys of the players. Oh, yeah. like, number 97. And, we're and 97 we're, we're, days un, we're under 100. Yep, yeah, I definitely yeah. noticed that this week, too. At JeremyCon1057 on Twitter. That's how you follow him. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you next Love Monday. You, See you. It's Jeremy Kahn with us here on GCR as he is every week. Dude, I cannot get enough of dunking on Adam Silver about this. I cannot. I was I might have sent 50 tweets last night. Like, I just cannot believe they're good, actually doing this. Good thing I wasn't on Twitter then. So I oh my to... God. I was I was getting lots of engagement on him. I am clearly I found I found something that was hitting. You found your nook of oh my Twitter. God. This is this is where Glenn Clark is belonging. Just he's just gonna do it. Like we'd all be willing. This is such a dumb idea that I'm telling you, if he just wanted to never bring it up again, and I would be willing to be complicit about it. I would to to make this not happen, I would promise Adam Silver I'll never dunk on you about it ever again. And he, he, that, that's something he definitely would probably you, consider. I think that yeah. would be very important to him. And I, I would be willing to try to start a campaign that we all agree that if he just forgets that it was ever a thing, we all agree to not dunk on Adam Silver about it and just allow it to disappear into the ether forever because, Jesus Christ, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And the stupidity of him continuously throwing out, like nobody's listening. Like he can just say, well, you know, it's like European soccer. No it's not. It's nothing like European soccer. Why do you keep saying that? Because like, it's obvious. I mean, it, it works. If you say something enough, we're like, oh, well, yeah, like, European right. so- people like European soccer. Like, yeah, this sounds cool. They do not just play a group of games in European soccer and decide some of these count for the Premier League, some of these count for the- That's not the way that it works. They schedule different competitions involving different teams. There's something different about it. It's nothing like this. Why do we keep just, I swear to God, like we just share things. Well, you know, guys, it's kind of like European soccer. No, it isn't. It's nothing like European soccer. Now, and so it might even be smarter for him just to be like, "This is different than European soccer. Yes, this is like, something new. Better. This is yeah, better like, than even though it's not gonna be better. But it's yeah, not, oh, it's definitely not better. Uh, apparently, but he can the w- act that way. I didn't even That'd realize, be the better route. and I feel bad about this because I said I'm a Merck fan. Apparently, the WNBA started doing this. Like they're testing the waters in the WNBA. I, I couldn't. How could anyone possibly care? Ever? Imagine how embarrassed you would be. If, like, your team, like, if the Phoenix Suns won this thing, imagine how embarrassing it would be to, like, celebrate it. Hey, man, we're 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 in-season champions. What? What does that get you? First ever in-season champions. Nothing. Uh, We're Commissioner's Cup champions. Is that what it's called? I don't know what they're going to call it. I think that's what they call it in the WNBA. Oh, Oh, it's so bad. It's just so effing bad. And they found nothing. I think yesterday was the first time he said, we're, we're going to look at a neutral site for the tournament part of it, whatever that is. Like, And my God, you can't. 
you you can't make it. You can bring at most four yeah, teams. The playoffs. Four teams. Like that cuz then we're talking about two extra games and yeah. you can at least sell the idea of like okay, it's not that much. But then again, because it's not that much, what's the point of it? Like why? Oh, it's just so embarrassing. embarrassing. Well, here's the good news. You don't have to watch. Oh, and I won't. That's what I said to Mike. We'll just treat it like the rest of the the regular season. Like this is the good news for us is that we have plenty of practices ignoring anything that happens before the the NBA playoffs. <laughs> Lots of practice at that. We are unbelievable. As a country, we are incredibly good at ignoring everything until the playoffs start, and it's just more that we have to ignore. We have great practice on that. That's exactly what we'll do. All right, today's show also brought to you, or a reminder, that PressBoxOnline.com slash offers is the place to go as we're offering new sports bettors the best sign-up bonuses and promos from the seven legal online sports books. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now. Get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after you place your first $10 bet or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports books. so get to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers right now and sign up. Get a tidbit, tubular. Uh, I do want to touch on, I had two other things listed that I want to touch on before we wrap up for the day as well. So that's coming up here on GCR. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com The All-America Senior Game powered by New Balance will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. 
Winding down here on a Monday edition of the program, pressboxonline.com slash contest. Just nine days left for you to sign up and win four tickets to all of the area's minor league baseball teams, plus an Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms in order to help you get around. You must be 18 or older in order to enter. Pressboxonline.com slash contests is the place to go. All right, quickly, a couple things. One, uh, so like two weeks ago, I mentioned there was an announcement the PLL was going to be moving teams into cities next season. PLL season got underway this weekend. Um, and I was like, that's great. That's a great step in the process. They needed to do this. I have not been able to fully embrace the way that I want to because I don't have a team. And Baltimore, of course, seems like a logical destination. For the record, I did put some feelers out there. And, you know, the all I can tell you is what I got back is, yeah, there's reason to think that Baltimore should be getting a team. I said, that's great, right? Like, great, great news. Now let me tell you why it's not. I don't think I read the fine print on this. There is no relevance to having a home team in the PLL. Moving forward, the PLL is going to continue to be a touring sport. The only difference in future years will be that if you are a host team, you will play a doubleheader on the weekend that your city is hosting. There will be no more home games. There will not be a PLL team based at Homewood Field. There will be a weekend where if there is a Baltimore whatever, Baltimore Water Dogs, Whip whatever. Snakes, Baltimore yeah. whatever, when they get to Homewood Field, and by the way, this is why they'll probably just call it Maryland or whatever, because it's so irrelevant that it doesn't matter, and they'll think that this is smart for marketing purposes. The Maryland Water Dogs, and it also will play into or which is it's Whip Snakes that has the most. Yeah, Maryland they won the guy. Food. Or they yeah, have, yeah, they yeah. have the most Maryland alums oh, on the roster. Was Naskis is on the Chrome, I believe now. So. But I, I think the original roster. Yes, yeah, yeah. Was, the first two years, yes. they had all the Maryland. Guys. So they'll be like the Maryland Whip Snakes. You just get a second game that weekend that you play in Baltimore. That's it. And so, essentially, what the people with power in this region would tell you would be, we don't really care if they're called the Baltimore or the Maryland, whatever. We just want to make sure that there continue to be games at home with field. That's, that's all that matters to us. So whether it's, you know, a home team hosting for the weekend – there's still going to be regular season weekends that are played at neutral sites. Playoff weekend, whatever it is, as long as the event comes through Maryland, we don't give a rat's ass whether or not the team is called. And unfortunately, the fine print kind of says this isn't the progress that I wanted it to be. Will you be able to get a couple more people that are invested? Maybe. But it's the same thing I always tell you. Like, this thing... There's a reason why the Baltimore Blast have worked over the years. And I'm being fair about that. Let's not pretend like it's an overwhelming yeah. success. But the Baltimore Blast have worked because they're here. They get home games. Not just that they get home games. Yeah. Their offices are here. The people that run the team are here. They're invested in this market. They go out to community events. You see them in local parades. They have players show up for like soccer camps, things like that. They're a part of the fabric of the community. So young people have stories about being a kid 
and meeting a blast player. And when you're a kid, you don't know that that's not a celebrity. You don't know that that's not a faint. It's what I say all the time. I take my kids to a Towson football game when they're a certain age. They don't know that they're not watching the highest level of football that exists. Because it looks amazing. There's, there's shining, there's lights, there's, you know, it's a whole thing. The blast create memories. Well, I remember the time I was out with, you know, Billy Ronson. I remember the time I was out with Stan Stamenkovich. I remember the time I was out with Dennison Cabral. In more recent years, William Van Zella. You know, my kids learned how to play goalie from William Van Zella in the summer. So we wanted to go see the blast in the fall. They're here. They're part of this. So there's an investment that goes both ways. They're invested in the community. The community's invested in them. It works to whatever degree a indoor soccer team can work. The blast work. This is not that. This is almost the exact opposite. We're going to tell you a team is called this, but you're not going to have any touch of them. They're not going to do community events. They're not going to they're not going to be based out of here. You're not going to know the GM of the team. You're not going to know that because they're they don't they're not they just show up for a weekend and then they're gone. So like I want the PLL to succeed. I want it to become a thing. I want it to be something that I would care about. I this ain't it. And I you know, like this is going to hurt me cuz now like they won't want to hire me cuz I don't just lie and say that they've saved lacrosse i mean my god the audacity that they called that documentary the fate of a sport the audacity of that i want them to do well badly and i like i'm friends with the players in the league but this ain't a thing this in in if nothing it's offensive that you're going to say well we're going to make you a home city when there's nothing about it that makes you a home city. It's nonsense. And it's a step in the wrong direction for me because they think they're trying to sell you on the idea that they're improving when they're not improving at all. Is it is it 100% a step in the wrong direction? Though? Like, Does this kind of set the stage, though, that they right, do if, go to if, a normal, if what, regular if, season? If, if, that, if I heard anything like that, hey, we know this isn't the way we should do it. We just, we're not ready yet. We need... Like three more years, so we're just laying the foundation right now. But they have suggested nothing of the sort. So right now, it feels way more like a cheap gimmick mm-hmm. to try to build, start building that kind like, of home base. Like fan we, we're base. we're asking pe- more people in Catonsville to give an S. So we're telling you, there's a Baltimore. T- you're gonna have your Baltimore team, but you're not actually gonna have it. It's almost bait and switch. Mm. And I again, I want I I'm not this is very difficult for me. Because I'm being critical of a league that I would love to be a part of. Like it, it'd be insane for me if they called me tomorrow and said, "Would you want to come do play-by-play for us?" Like, of course I would have to say yes. But I have to be honest about this. This ain't it. You're not going to get me to care about the Baltimore Whip Snakes, unless they're here. You know why I would watch the the Bayhawks when the Bayhawks existed? Because they were real. Because they were tangible. Because I could think to myself, on a Saturday night, I might go to a Bayhawks game. And so if they were playing in Dallas, and it was on channel, they were on like 
MPT for a little while. Mm. I would watch. I was invested. It's disappointing. It's disappointing. Also, uh, news, uh, Ralph Regan is on the College Football Hall of Fame ballot uh, for the second time this year. And I saw Heather Dinich tweeting about it over the weekend. Um, uh, you know, look, I've had a very complicated relationship with Ralph Regan over the years. Everybody remembers him coming on my show all those years ago and saying he had burned his Maryland diploma and everybody got all furious at him. And then for whatever goofy reason, for a little while, Ralph blamed me, which was weird because I didn't say that. <laughs> Um, and it was weird because Ralph was one of the people I respected the most in this business. But, um, you know, we talked for a while and we, and I ended up having dinner with him down in Charleston a couple or lunch with him in Charleston a couple years ago. I, you know, and then, you know, he and came back and spoke at DJ Durkin's camp and I wrote this beautiful story about it and I was so excited about it. And it turns out DJ Durkin was a monster and, ah, oh, he's been brutal. Yeah. But I love Ralph Reason. I think everybody that knows me knows that, um, I, Again, this goes back to, like, I know what Maryland football was before there was a Ralph Regan and then what they became. And the job that Ralph Regan did was a far more difficult job. Like, to, to compare him by wins and losses, like, you would need to put a significant grading curve on that and to find some sort of metric. Like, how many, what, what Ralph Regan's win total, based on the job he did, would have been at Wisconsin, would have been at Nebraska, would have been at insert place here. What Ralph Regan did at Maryland was a miracle, and nothing short of it. A miracle. Ralph Regan is overwhelmingly deserving of being in this conversation, and uh, hopefully, as Heather Dinich pointed out over the weekend, hopefully will be recognized with that uh, College Football Hall of Fame honor. So it's not... Like the Basketball Hall of Fame recognizes everything. The Pro Football Hall of Fame is the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So Gary Williams is in the Naismith, the same Hall of Fame that Michael Jordan is in. Mm -hmm. Gary Williams is in that one. Ralph Regan could never be in that. But there is a specific College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. And um, I want to say E.J. Henderson from the Ralph Regan era is part of the College Football Hall of Fame, if I remember correctly. So hopefully uh, Ralph Regan will be inducted and he is on the ballot again this year yes ej henderson is i thought that was the case yes. let's get a tidbit, tidbit. Uh, the colts signed brashad perryman did you see that okay oh. wait, wait. he do we, do we play the, we do play the colts this year so he will be scoring a touchdown against Pro the Ravens. probably well everybody said that about what miles boykin <laughs> last year i mean yeah i mean let's settle down on all that. i mean miles boykin but we don't know that brashad perryman will be perryman's on the got team. a clear path i think we don't know that he will Colts be on the roster. I mean, I, you can say that, but we don't know that that means that Rashad Perriman will make the roster. Kyrie's also uh, recruiting LeBron. I did, to I Dallas. did see that. That is kind of interesting for a three big three of because I think a lot of people thought that it would go the other way with like Kyrie yeah. in L.A., but like maybe LeBron James just looks around in his L.A. in L.A. and is like, eh. <laughs> I just don't. I, I kind of would say, why Dallas? Like, mm. I, as what you're saying is, if I go partner up with Luke, I got a shot at winning one more title. And then, you know, the following year, he'll go wherever <coughs> Bronny gets drafted. And yeah. So, you know, that's where I'll wrap up his career. <sighs> oh, LeBron's saying his son can't win a title. Ugh. Well, I mean, he doesn't know where his son's going to be. Like, imagine if his son gets drafted. You think that Le you, you got you, two Bron Jameses on your team. Yeah, that can't solve the Washington Wizards, dog. There's no way. Ooh, nope, I mean, not a chance in hell. 
if Bradley Beal's still you, around, you could you could come up with a third, and you still wouldn't be able to solve the Washington Wizards. No effing way. Daniel Gafford, I mean, come on. Yeah, dude. sure. Tidbit is brought to you. Him today. and Jokic in the same. Right. I mean, Tidbit is brought to you today. <laughs> God. By your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. So it looks like the Heat might have figured out the way to beating uh, Nikola Jokic. So he has scored 40 points now in three postseason games in this postseason. Oh. Uh, and those, and in those games, Nuggets 0-3. 0-3 when Jokic scores 40. They are 1-13-1 or 13 and 1 when he scores less Well, he only had four 20. assists last night, right? Uh yes yeah, yeah. so that's, that's the, the that's, that's the, the that's real the like secret sauce I guess uh three three losses in forty point games are tied for the most by any player in a postseason in NBA history Man. so if he does it again and they lose he will be the worst forty point scoring player ever <laughs> stop that's not the thing. Rangers they are the hottest team in ba- or hottest offense in Major League Baseball they've scored ten plus runs they did it on Saturday and Sunday yeah, that is crazy um for the sixteenth time that's they've done sixteen games of ten plus runs no other team has more than eight games uh, of of ten of uh, ten runs in a game this season Wait, so. no other team has had ten runs eight. Eight. More more than eight games. Yes. So in the Rangers have done it sixteen times. There's a better way of saying that sentence, and yeah. I just didn't get there. But I understand. They what you're are saying. tied with the uh, the 1936 New York Yankees for the most games through their first 58 uh, games in a season. 16 games of 10 runs for the Red Hot Rangers, and the uh, so the Tigers and White Sox on Saturday they had a combined three runs in a game, uh, all on the result of a wild pitch. It is the first time ever in the at least in the live ball era, so since 1920, in which. At least three runs were scored, all by either a wild pitch or a pass ball. How about that? So no RBIs that? in that game. That's interesting. That the is interesting. Scored. scored. Uh, Mas- Masataki Yoshida, he has been very good for the Red Sox. Uh, 899 OPS, 22 extra base hits, batting 314. Yeah, he's been great. Uh, two players. He's the It'd be second really player. hard for Gunnar Henderson to get back in the Rookie of the Year conversation. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yes, he, I mean, he can. I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying it's going to be really hard for him to get. He is the Gunner. second player this century to have reached base 85 times or more and struck out 25 times or less in his first 50 career games. You think you can name the other player this century? This century, Ichiro. It is. Yeah. Yes, I mean, Ichiro like, in 2001. Yeah. I mean, it's always going to be my get. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then this one, so Garrett Cole the other week picked up his 2,000th strikeout. He became the third quickest to 2,000 strikeouts uh, in terms of innings, so the third fewest innings to reach 2,000 strikeouts. Do you think he can round out the top five here? Quickest to reach 2,000 strikeouts. Randy Johnson. He is fourth, 1,733 innings. Cole did it 1,714. Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan is not in the top five. He pitched forever and yeah. stockpiled strikeouts. Uh, Steve Carlton. Not Steve Carlton. Okay. Roger Clemens. Not Roger Clemens. That's a little surprising, yeah. actually, because he was came out like a ball of fire. Um, how about Maddox? Not Maddox. How about... I mean, I... I, I Jeez. Two active players, one no Scherzer. active. Max Scherzer, fifth, fifth fastest, 1,784 innings to reach 2,000. Verlander. 000. Not Verlander. Uh, Kershaw. Not Kershaw. Granky. Not Granky. I don't know. There's another active player that had 2,000 strikeouts. Oh, did it happen this year? And did we not uh, No, it didn't happen this year. I wonder when he picked up his 2,000 strikeout. Um, 
It was uh, Wainwright? Not Wainwright. He is Sale? Yes, Chris Sale is the fastest uh, to ever reach 2,000 strikeouts. 1,600 uh, innings, 1,626. How about that? And then second on this list, 1,700 innings, 1,711. Uh, Pedro Martinez. Pedro Martinez, that okay. is correct. So Sale, Martinez, Cole, Randy Johnson, Max Scherzer. It's quite the group. Yes. Quite yes. the group. Quickest right. to 2,000 strikeouts. Tubular is brought to you today by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels. Heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season's coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at ajmichaels.com. Here's what's coming up tubular-wise. French Open continues. Unfortunately, the featured matches that creep Alex Zverev against uh, Grigor Dimitrov. Why is he a creep? The... Some allegations. Okay. okay. All right. Um, and he beat TFO on Saturday, and it was very frustrating because Francis had a lot of opportunities in the mm. fourth set to, to force it. He had uh, uh, he was two points away from forcing a fifth set in like four different games in Damn. the in in the fourth set mm. on Saturday. Very frustrating. But uh, French Open coverage continues. Also, Igish Fiontek still in action today. TNT and TBS for Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final tonight as the Panthers try to even things up with the Golden Knights, much like their friends the Heat did. 8 o'clock for that. Uh, baseball on FS1, Royals-Marlins at 640. Really? That's a national TV game. MLB Network, Cardinals-Rangers at 8, and then Cubs-Padres. It starts at 940 on ESPN+, Plus, and then they'll pick it up uh, in progress on MLB Network. Um, ESPN has Women's College World Series action starting this afternoon, Oklahoma and Stanford. Now, this is the day where, like, you got to win. Like, one of the teams has to win once, and the other team has to win twice in order to advance to the final that starts on Wednesday night. So, like, there could be four games at the Women's College World Series today, or there could just be two. So, I know you're playing the home version of the Women's College World Series, so you you are all over that. I yeah, yeah, well, Oklahoma. Yeah. I'll just pick Oklahoma. That's, uh, that's what I'll do. Okay, yeah. I think that's not a bad bet, if yeah. I had to be honest yeah. with you. And then Florida State and Tennessee playing tonight at 7 o'clock and then again at 9.30 if necessary. Mm-hmm. There are still some, um, on ESPNU and ESPN2 today, there are still some uh, men's uh, NCAA tournament regionals to be determined. Uh, Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts, advanced, oh man. Which is they were, a hell of a did story. Did you check out the squeeze play thing that they were doing? No, I didn't watch any it of was that. Fr- it was very good. I liked it a lot. They've done it yeah. every year and everybody loves it. I, I just don't care enough about like I care about Maryland baseball. Right. I don't really care enough about it. To yeah. I guess. I guess I found myself. I guess a little it's bored also, this weekend. Like this but is one of the problems is it's always during the French Open. Mm, like I'm always invested so in that. Watch. It's always when the Orioles are playing. It's like this. At a moment yesterday, I got home from doing the radio show, and I had in my living room Orioles, French Open, and a, another device, Maryland baseball. Like I just had. Yes, that is what I had. Well, then I had the UFC flights on one of my on like my phone, and then instead of the French Open, I had to sub that out. Uh, that's stupid. No, um, well, that's that's just dumb. I'm uh, so but sorry. I mean that Tennessee uh, Clemson game Saturday night. Yeah, that, that was one wild. Was, that I didn't hear about that. Crazy. That is wild. Did you see? I did not see this. So Indiana State hosted a regional, and apparently, like literally right behind the wall in left field, is a cemetery. Really? <laughs> oh, jeez. And so somebody tw- bombs on. Somebody the- tweeted out like, "Lively atmosphere in <laughs> in Terre Haute." <laughs> 
Um, and then WWE Raw tonight at eight on the USA Network. Some non-sports highlights. A uh, cruel summer season two is out on going to be out on Freeform and Hulu. Somehow I missed season one. Uh, apparently it was it's a pretty good show. It's just like a crazy teen drama show, and they're doing a season two. Uh, you could just pick it up at season two though, because it's sure. an, it's an anthology. So. Sure. Uh, American Ninja Warrior season 15 premieres tonight on NBC at That's 8. Normally when they have a new season, they ask us to put Akbar Gabajabil Amil on. So I'm a little surprised I never got that yeah. message. Um, <laughs> Maybe they finally realized yeah. these people are not helping us. <laughs> I think we did that for like 20 years straight. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I've, I've probably had Akbar Gabajabil Amila on my show. What was his brother's name? I've already forgotten. Kabir, I, right? Kabir Gabajabil Amila? Sure. I wish. I, I think wish I've had Akbar Gabajabil Amila on my show more than I've had you know, Greg Olson. <laughs> like, More than Jeremy Kahn. I don't know about that, but like, <laughs> it has been a regular... Like we'd see him uh, sometimes when I would go out to like do a Super Bowl or something like that, and he'd be like, hey, what's going on, man? It's, it's too bad we weren't... Uh, they didn't ask us to promote this show that is on Fox New Show, Stars on Mars, and oh, it looks terrible. That. Ronda Rousey. Oh, Ronda Rousey. Yeah. That means William Shatner is hosting. Right. It is a Mars simulation with yeah, celebrities. Yeah. Richard Sherman, yeah, Marshawn Lynch... Bad. Bad, bad, bad. bad. Um, uh, uh, McLovin. McLovin, yeah. Yeah, McLovin's yeah, in McLovin, it. I did um, see that. Lance Armstrong's going to be one of the contestants. I like. I don't know. Like, It looks... Just not. It does not look It's good. a big no. Richard Sherman says, he's like, one of the... In their trailer, he's like, I can't believe this. I'm in a spacesuit on Mars. As if it's just, you know, real. Let's just keep moving. <laughs> and that is it. Okay. Very good. Uh, thanks today to oh you know what uh, I missed so this was my trivia team won our our regional oh the super you're on the su- you're on the super well I didn't get to go because I was on 105.7 on mm-hmm. Saturday so the super regionals were this weekend and apparently they all won, the best trivia teams from even without area. me they won the super regional wow which maybe makes me wonder if I'm even needed so do, the world do you even series show up tonight? the world series is no this is a new regular season oh, okay the world series from last season is coming up this Saturday. And I am intending to be a part of that. So if I let everybody down, uh, I believe the only if you guys like start getting a qu- couple questions wrong in a row, it's like Glenn, you got to go. Right? The, well, they You're told out. me the the one sports question was name the last MLB player to win Rookie of the Year and MVP in the same season. Mm, Otani didn't win MVP his first year. He didn't even win Rookie of the Year, did he? I, uh, MVP and Rookie of the Year. Jeez, is it on this half of 2000, on this side of the century? Uh, you know what? They did say it was in 2001, so you get that. Each row. Yep, correct. Yeah. That's why I thought of it. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's, of course, why I thought of it. Um, and then uh, name the only – all right, we could, we'd be here for 10 okay. minutes. There's, the other one was name uh, the what U.S. state with a four-syllable name does not border another state with a four-syllable name. Yeah, you'll be here for a while, so we're not going to go by. I'll tell you. Tennessee. It's not Tennessee. First of all, Tennessee doesn't have four syllables. Ten, uh, what? Tennessee. What? No. <laughs> four syllables. You could have at least named a state Cal- with four syllables. California. California. No, uh, Arizona. Uh, four syllables. That doesn't. That doesn't. Oh, California doesn't have four syllables. Cal. Yes, California. California, California has four syllables. Well, it's bordered by California then. Arizona, no, and California it does not. What state with four syllables is not bordered by another state that has four syllables? Do California and borders Arizona, Arizona not touch each other? They do. They do. Oh, oh, that's the question. Which state does not border another state? Do. Yes. What are you not struggling? What are you struggling? Do with? Arizona and California not touch? They do touch. That's why neither one of them counts. Oh, oh, okay. 
You I thought you just said Arizona was the answer. No, Arizona is why California is not the answer. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, my God. I regret it. I regret it. I regret it wholeheartedly. God damn, that was painful. Let's see. It, 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 well, we be here. You want it? Do you want to know? Yeah. Uh, Washington. No. Washington has three. You keep naming three syllable states. Washington. Okay. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. What is going on? Then it's got to be. Does oh no, Minnesota touches South I Dakota? I guess I guess Mississippi for getting Alabama. I I don't know why I convinced myself Alabama was a three. It is not. Indiana. 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 Oh, Ohio, okay. Illinois, got Kentucky. Yep. Indiana. Yep. Indiana. Good for Indiana. Well, that was pretty painful. That was almost as bad as the spelling of Matt Weeders during our spelling competition on Saturday. We, were, we uh, bounced back. Event. Everyone it, bounced it, back. It, well, yeah. well, I, RD, RDT I, did, RDT. I definitely bounced back strongly. RDT did not bounce Ooh, back. That was rough. That was rough. RDT said, W-I-E-T-E-R-S. And they were like, no, you're wrong. And I said, I'm I pretty swear. sure it's not the case. I don't know why. That was the only one we wrote down incorrectly. Oh, God. All right. Um don't forget, you're in the final week and a half to get the print issue of Press Box. It's available at your neighborhood Royal Farms and the hundreds of locations around town where you get it. Go get it before it's gone. Thanks today to Jeremy Kahn. Thanks to Dan Minucci from out in Arizona and to Steve Johnson. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Oh, my God, it's, it's so, so good. good tab at glennclarkradio.com. I was trying to tell Zach, because like, Zach was still doing the old thing. He was doing like when he archives. Was in, right? Yeah, he was still doing that when he was here. I was trying to explain it to him. It was too much. Um. Tomorrow on the program, Orioles outfielder Ryan McKenna is going to join us. Um, Chuck Pagano. Chuck Pagano, former Ravens defensive coordinator, NFL head coach. He just did a sit-down with John Harbaugh for the 33rd team. So we'll catch up with uh, Coach Pagano and, of course, stuff and things. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including A.J. Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, All-American Lacrosse, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Don't ask him to name a state with four syllables. Yeah, don't, I mean other things about states you can typically ask me. I like I try to pride myself on have a great, US geography. Have a great Monday night. Go nobody. Duke sucks. <laughs>